Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Good afternoon, Auburn. Welcome into Sports Call here today on this Friday. We're coming to you live from our studios here on South College Street. My name is JJ Jackson. On the program with me today, I've got Ryan Lavoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. We've got a loaded show for you. We've got lots to talk about as Auburn baseball gets set to open up play in the College World Series tomorrow when they will take on Ole Miss. Last night, we saw a conclusion to the 2022 NBA Finals as we saw the Golden State Warriors claim yet another championship, defeating the Boston Celtics in six games. On today's program at 3.15, Bill Bender will join us from Sporting News, talk all things college football, one of the best minds when it comes to the sport what are some of the big storylines and topics this point of the season about a month away from Media Day's festivities and the start of fall camp for so many schools? At 4.15, Keith Niebuhr with Auburn Live Now will chat with us. We've got a big recruiting weekend coming up, Big Cat Weekend still ahead in the month of June, so a lot to discuss and get into with Keith Niebuhr, who will stop by and join us at 4.15. We'll have your birthdays in sports. And then a nightly TV guide brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. So plenty to discuss. It's a busy Friday. It's a fun Friday. And your phone calls always welcome on our Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401. J.J. Ryan and Branton Brooks here inside the studios. Fellas, what's up? How we doing? Doing very well, sir. And, um... Yeah, enjoyed watching Game 6 last night. Enjoyed the Warriors uh, getting their fourth championship in eight years. Uh, first finals MVP for Steph Curry. I know we'll talk a little bit about the game and series itself, but really proud of the this organization for going from the mountaintop to the dumpster back to the mountaintop. This team had the worst record, the worst record in the NBA three seasons ago when Klay Thompson was injured and Steph Curry broke his hand and only played five games. This team had the worst record, and no team has ever gone from worst record to two years later winning the championship in NBA history. So the Warriors, who were obviously dynastic at, at first, going to five straight NBA finals and winning three, they had a humbling two years where they had to overcome a lot. Klay Thompson didn't play basketball for two seasons, and to get everyone healthy – this team has still never lost a series since – or I shouldn't say never, but has still not lost a series when fully healthy since 2015. And, and, and so uh, credit to them uh, and the way they defended Boston. So very excited and happy for Steph. You can tell it meant a lot to him. Um, and so was really thrilled to, to watch that last night. And overall doing good. Looking for – sports world never stops, though. Got College World Series starting today. Auburn's journey will start tomorrow uh, and also have the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. Got the U.S. Open in golf. I mean, it, it just that 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 might have been a lot to me as a fan of the NBA and, and of the Warriors, but 
there are still plenty of things uh, to continue to root for and to pay attention to. And, and oh, yeah, the Braves are on a historic winning streak right now as well. So a lot to get into and, and really excited to continue to talk sports with you guys. Brent, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Uh, you know, it, Ryan pretty much talked about the big news of the day. Uh, he's the happiest man in the office as the Warriors uh, rack up their fourth ring in eight years. And, you know, it's, it, it was really cool to watch that game last night and just kind of see the experience take over for the Warriors. They looked more put together. They looked they looked like they had done it before because they have. And, you know, Steph, Steph did ridiculous things. Uh, over and over again and he's he's so fun to watch and yeah he's one of the greatest point guards of all time one of the greatest players of all time and certainly deserving of that finals MVP Uh, I think he put up like 31 points a game something like that something ridiculous so uh, really really cool to see the Warriors get their fourth after like Ryan said they they were in the dumpsters for a little bit and uh, have uh, have found their have found their way back to the championship. Uh, College World Series currently going on. Oklahoma is railroading Texas A&M right now. It's like 12-3, to 3, I think. They, Oklahoma hit a grand slam uh, a couple couple minutes ago, so they're really putting it on them. And, yeah, Keegan Thompson got the start for the Chicago Cubs today, former Auburn Tiger, uh, and he gave up zero runs over six complete. So uh, they're, they just pulled him, and, you know, hopefully the Braves can go on a run here because Charlie Morton has also given up zero runs over six. So, pitchers duel in Chicago and we'll I'm sure we'll keep track of that as we go on but yeah a lot of stuff to talk about got some really cool interviews today and ready to get rocking and rolling because what's at stake for the Atlanta Braves Brant uh 14 15 game winning streak longest streak in franchise history would tie trying to push it to 15 yep would would uh tie the franchise lead I would tie the longest in franchise history I think um it might be 16 but either way you're you're never gonna turn your nose up at 15 straight regardless of the the franchise implications so uh four and a half games behind the Mets and they were I think 10 behind when this run started so they're uh they're they're really closing the gap on them and you know this perhaps the NL East is not as lost as a lot of people thought it was Braves and Cubs this entire weekend those New York Mets are taking on the Miami Marlins in a three-game series we will see where things sit when we get back in action on Monday after this weekend series and of course Braves updates throughout today's show. We're up against our first break. On the other side of this break, Bill Bender, a national college football reporter for Sporting News, recently had a story where he took the time to rank every coach in America number one to number 131. We'll discuss that a little bit later in the program. Not going to get this guy to read off every single list during an interview with so him. So what behind 123? Yeah, but a lot, a lot to discuss later in the program. That's a good Friday topic for us. Got that one queued up for you. We talk college football right after this on Sports Call. All of the biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call. We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. Bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Burcham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program. Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call Podcast. Now back to more Sports Call with J.J. Jackson and the guys.
Welcome back into the program. It's Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call on WTGZ Tiger 95.9 FM. All of our Sports Call callers and guests join us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. You can visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. As we go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time during today's program, we're very excited to welcome in a very special guest. It's our buddy Bill Bender from Sporting News, kind enough to join us today. Bill, how's your Friday going? How are things in your world? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Excited to chat with you as college football is nearing. The fall is getting closer to us, and we've got several things to dive into here as we get set. Let, let's start local, and then we'll kind of expand out to a more national level with the sport. Are Auburn Tigers getting set to open up the second season of the Brian Harson era? What, what's your pulse from the outside looking in on Auburn Tigers football? I mean, obviously it was controversial offseason there for a minute, but uh, he's there. He's the coach. I think you know, it starts with the quarterback position who kind of takes that over and takes hold of it. And, um, and they have some good pieces as usual, and the Penn State game will be a good barometer with them having that them in uh, Auburn this year. But I think most people are expecting somewhere in the middle of the SEC. I'm not sure what the highest one you guys have seen, but, I mean, it's going to be a battle weekend and week out. And, and Bill, obviously a lot of talk about Brian Harson already after just one year, and it, and it seems very premature to be talking about this. But nevertheless, what's your inkling on on just job security at this standpoint for a guy that's in reality have you know having to rebuild everything and just been on campus for one season? Well, I mean, the pragmatic approach would be to give him time. I mean, I've always been a proponent of if you hire a guy, you give him three to five years. Otherwise, what are you doing? I mean, if you press the reset button after one year with a guy, then that's that. But, I mean, there's also a thing to be said about fit. And I, and I always talk about fit when it comes to college football. And that, that matters when you hire a head coach. You've got to fit. There's a reason why Dabo Swinney doesn't coach at Wisconsin. So, um, you know, I, I mean, that's the thing to watch for this year, how much does Harzen fit. And nothing proves that more than winning. So, I mean, a fast start in September would go a long way in uh, – putting away some of those doubts a quarterback battle is certainly set to take place for this Auburn football team with T.J. Finley in the mix and Zach Calzada coming in from Texas A&M you've got Robbie Ashford making way over from Oregon but I want to stay on the offensive side of the ball Bill and talk about Tank Bigsby in that backfield we obviously know how good of a running back Bigsby has been throughout his career in the grand scheme of things though I mean is it fair to put this guy as one of the top backs going into the season Sure. I mean, there's explosiveness. There's the ability to, you know, carry it 20-plus times in a game, those kind of things. And, you know, if he stays healthy and within that rotation, they can rely on him. He's obviously one of the more uh, notable running backs in the SEC this year. There are some other good ones. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm anticipating that they definitely rely on Tank a lot early in the season. Bill, obviously Auburn has its own quarterback battle, but I feel like there's a, a good number of quarterback battles really across the country, multiple quarterback battles taking place just in the SEC. Of some of those battles both in the SEC and, and, and kind of nationwide, what, what are the most appealing and interesting quarterback battles in your eyes? I mean, up here at Notre Dame and Michigan, uh, you know, Tyler Bookner could be the guy that takes that first snap when they play Ohio State this year, and, and that's an opener It doesn't get much bigger than that um your way i mean who's going to win that lsu job 
Is it going to be Miles Brennan? Is it going to be Jaden Daniels? They bring him in from Arizona State and Brian Kelly's first season and a pivotal first season. Texas A&M, obviously. You mentioned Calzada transferred to Auburn, but um, they stay, and then they get Max Johnson. A lot of it was so weird. A lot of the SEC quarterbacks came and went. Some of them left places where they were starting. It, it was truly a uh, remarkable offseason when you have 20 to 25 guys that uh, in the transfer portal and could be starting at FBS programs, this division, or uh, Power 5 programs this year. Bill, you mentioned uh, the LSU Tigers. They have a new head coach in Brian Kelly. A lot of coaching changes happened this offseason. Of the coaching changes, which ones do you think will be successful long-term? Which ones are you expecting to make an immediate impact? Uh, what, which ones are just most interesting to you? I mean, Brian Kelly and, and Lincoln Riley, obviously. You don't have that happen hardly ever in a coaching cycle. I mean, think about it. Like Brian Kelly is the all-time winningest coach at Notre Dame. He went to LSU, and then Lincoln Riley was 55-10 and 10 at Oklahoma and in a position where they were probably going to compete, if not win, Big 12 championships every year, and he, he left. So, I mean, those two alone, and they're top 10 coaches in the sport. So when both of those guys transferred, it obviously created two very interesting, monstrous holes, and, um, you know, they backfilled those well, though. I think Marcus Freeman and Brent Venables will do a good job at Oklahoma and Notre Dame in their place. And, Bill, I want to follow up on Lincoln Riley to USC. I mean, such a monumental shift, not only because of how good Lincoln Riley been, but obviously the program that Oklahoma is. I mean, in the annals of college football, it is one of the very elite programs along with Southern Cal. So what did you make of that decision? And then also moving on with the USC program, uh, what's a reasonable timeline for Lincoln Riley to get USC back towards the top of the country? I mean, they, they'll compete this year in the Pac-12 with what they have. I mean, he was able to pull Caleb Williams. He was able to get Travis Dye, that's Oregon's leading rusher, and then the coup was getting Jordan Addison to come over from Pitt. I mean, that's the Blitnikoff winner and arguably the best receiver in the country. So he sold that well and uh, has his program going, and I think, uh, you know, they're going to need a couple cycles. Uh, but, I mean, he was a hit right away at Oklahoma. There's no reason why – that team can be very creative and compete with Utah and Oregon and, and the best teams in the Pac-12. Can they compete for a national championship? I mean, I'm not there yet because there's just depth through, through recruiting that needs to happen first, but, but they truly will be an exciting team. We're chatting now with Bill Bender from Sporting News, all things college football right now. You can follow him on Twitter at BillBender92. And we take a look at some of these coaching changes, the coaching carousel going in to this college football season. Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma. That means the Sooners need a new head coach. And it's Brent Venables who comes in from Clemson. Auburn has had a coaching change within the past few seasons, and that was a name that so many of the fans were really trying to champion and get Venables down to Auburn to take over this program. Uh, he ends up at Oklahoma. What is that going to look like? What's that fit look like there in Norman? Well, I mean, he knows the program, obviously. And, again, fit matters. And, you know, they bring in Levy, Jeff Levy from Old Miss, the offensive coordinator. I mean, Old Miss was among – the leaders in total offense last year. So I thought that was a good hire. And uh, they bring in Doug Gabriel from UCF to play quarterback around a pretty strong supporting cast. So, yeah, I mean, that's another team that absolutely could, could be very interesting and, and make some noise this year in college football. And, and I'm looking for them to have a big season um, in the Big 12. 
even though they did lose Rattler and uh, Caleb Williams to the transfer portal. Bill, when you look around college football, who is the coach that you think is on the hot seat the most right now? What what couple of coaches need a big year or they're going to be looking for new jobs? I mean, we talked about Harzen, but I still think that's a bit early. Um, Nebraska is in a prove-it year because they haven't reached a bowl game yet. Um, they, they showed last year that they could play top 10 teams tough, but it's one thing to play teams tough. It's another thing to go out and get those wins. And I think Nebraska, with Casey Thompson at quarterback, is going to be expected to uh, compete for the, the Big Ten West. So I think it's a big pressure year for Nebraska and Scott Frost. They'd be at the top of that list. And, and Bill, of course, this offseason we've, we've had a lot of hoopla around NIL, and we've had a lot of talk about just the way college football is going to work moving forward in terms of playoffs and how conferences do their conference championship games. Obviously, the ACC and Pac-12 already making moves there and the SEC talking about it. I mean, what kind of style to determining a conference champion do you want to see? Do you want to kind of see the elimination divisions and all these power conferences, or do you want all the conferences to be playing one or one or so extra conference games? How, how do you want to see it kind of play out? Well, I think the SEC should probably go to a 3-6 model when Texas and Oklahoma go, and it just makes sense from a viewer experience standpoint. You uh, protect the three rivals, and then you play six games, and, and you go from there, and uh, it, it will be uh, – you get to play everywhere once every four years. So if you're an Auburn fan, you get to go to Oklahoma Stadium if it's not a protected game once every four years. You get to go to old places like the Classic Rivers. I looked up something. I can't believe this. Uh, you know, since the college football playoff started, Florida and Auburn, that was even as somebody that grew up in Ohio, that was a game you watched. And they've only played once in the college football playoff era. Yeah, you're telling us. Uh, the Gators haven't been here in, in quite some time. They had the game there in 19 in Gainesville, but it's, it's been a while since the Gators have come to the Plains. We'll see uh, if that does, in fact, come in place. I think all of us are fans of that 3-6 model taking place. Bill, I want to go to uh, one of the stories that you've recently been working on over at Sporting News. You took the time to rank all of the coaches at the FBS level 1-131. to How do you start a project like this? Like, Tell us what this looks like to make it come and be. Oh, I mean, it takes a while, but I mean, I've done these for years now, so you just kind of bring the spreadsheet over, and then you figure out where everybody is, and you add it. Like, we look at a variety of factors, their overall record, their record at a school, their, I like looking at the record the last three years, because then you get a feel of, okay, kind of what has this guy done for me lately type deal, and it's a fun list to put together. It obviously generates a lot of discussion, because... Not not everybody's going to agree with that list, obviously. But, you know, we have a lot of fun putting it together. It's the labor of love for me, and generally it does generate a lot of discussion about the sport, and that's what we're all about. No kidding. Let me let me close with this. Let me ask about one of those names in particular here within the state. We saw a man in the top half of the coaches in all of college football, and that's Mr. Bill Clark there at UAB in Birmingham, having won two conference championships in 2018 and 2020, just the job he's done revitalizing that program. And what does UAB, what do the Blazers look like going into this season in Conference USA, Bill? I mean, they'll compete in that conference as they usually do because of Bill Clark. I mean, one of the better group of five coaches. I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not sure exactly where he ranks among the group of five coaches, but I'm assuming it's top five to ten because that's where we always have him. Um, 
outstanding coach, outstanding leader, given what happened with that program when he was able to resurrect it. And I, I look for them to continue to compete in that conference. Looking forward to it. Bill, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you and talk all things college football. Remind us where we could find your work and maybe any stories that you've got coming up over the next few days. Yeah, I'm at BillBender92 at SportingNews.com. You can catch all that work there. It's a pleasure catching up with you guys. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks for the time today, Bill. Thank you. All right, that's Bill Bender joining us there on our Auburn Bank phone line. 334 887 3401 if you would like to call in and be a part of the program and that's fair if you've been doing it year after year after year I, I bet it is a little bit easier to modify that list as opposed to you know yeah. let's start from a blank <laughs> slate and try and figure out exactly what this coaching list is going to look like well I want to I want to give Brant some credit because we had a big spat pretty early on in last year's season where we had a disagreement about where we ranked Dan Mullen in the college coaching yeah. world. Yeah. And uh, Brant looked a lot better uh, <laughs> uh, and a lot more clear. I had forgotten about uh, that. After uh, the last 12 games of the last season. So it was interesting to hear Bill kind of talk about the last three years because my value in Mullen came primarily at what how difficult it was to perform at Mississippi State. Right. But we all know this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business and really all the sports but football probably chief among them and so you know last three years your trends your trajectory uh is important and uh look there's gonna be a lot of big name coaches starting new trends and new trajectories here in the, in the coming years with their new programs yeah bill brought up scott frost i hadn't heard that name in a while and he's absolutely right nebraska a program with a lot of history that just hasn't done a lot they thought scott frost was going to get him back to the to the mountaintop and you know, he, he just hasn't done it. So I, that that is probably, I mean, that's that's. I, I always like to look at coaches who need a big season. Yeah. You know, and last year it was um, Jim Harbaugh. We we talked yep. about it in the preseason. You and I, Ryan, uh, we talked about Jim Harbaugh needing a big year, and he ended up getting it. He ended up getting that good year, and, and now has a a little more job security. At I, I think Scott Frost is the next man up for that. We will see how his season goes there in Nebraska. Another yep. coach that uh, we mentioned a good bit there was Lincoln Riley as he goes from Oklahoma to USC. And uh, you obviously talk about Caleb Williams. Then you've got, as he said, Jordan Addison coming over for Pitt. Totally missed that Travis Dye transferred in yeah. conference. Yeah. yeah. The Oregon running They're, back, and now he's over at USC. Wow. They should have a, wow. a competent player at the three key skill positions yeah. Yeah. because of that. And, you know, that's. The timeline question is always difficult because you could almost make the argument that they're in win-now mode for this season, that they should probably or they could win the Pac-12 this year. And if you win the Pac-12, then you just maybe think about the possibility right. of being in the playoff. But at the same time, it feel, you got to remember it's a new coach, and Bill talked about the lack of depth. It's like, hey, this team's not been particularly good for a while now. Clay Helton was not very good, uh, and, and USC has not been USC since Pete Carroll was there. So they've got years of disappointment that's built into that. So on the surface, it's like well, they're bringing in these shiny new toys. You think they might be able to be really special right away, but at the same time, they have real concerns as well, and you know, it might hurt them this year or it might hurt them next year, but they do have an actual buildup to take place. And one thought on, on Scott Frost is it's almost not even cool to say he's on the hot seat anymore because, like, he's been on the hot seat for a couple of years now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, like, Nebraska I, – I appreciate Nebraska having patience because they have – some of these programs don't have enough of it. And to Bill's point – 
just kind of elaborating on, on what he talked about in that interview is like if you looked at the first few years of Dabo Sweeney, you would have never thought what would have what has occurred over the last seven years would have occurred because Dabo was not exactly shiny and special the first few years. And I'm not saying by any means Scott Frost will become that, but it, it, it's still a lesson that a lot of these guys that end up being really great coaches – they didn't get it right the first time or the first season. And so Nebraska, when you looked at their season last year, they had a lot of close losses. I forget if it was five or six single-digit losses. Well, if if, I, if you show me that many single-digit losses, that tells me you're a couple of plays in each game away from completely different results. And so that tells me if he is truly a good coach – He's got a pathway to success this year. They're not very far away when you're losing close game after close game. It's not an infinite talent gap there. So it will be interesting. I'm not necessarily saying Nebraska will have a huge season, but I do think the opportunity exists for some redemption for Frost this year. Scott Frost, number 57. Number 57 in Bill Bender's head coaching rankings. We'll have plenty of discussion on that throughout today's show. Again, our thanks to Bill Bender for joining us here on today's program. Alongside Brant Daughtry, Ryan the Voinbrooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. We've got a two-and-a-half-minute commercial break. Two-and-a-half minutes, and we're back with James from Montgomery. James from Montgomery has called in. We talk with him. It's Flashback Friday with our buddy James. That's coming up next here on Sports Call. Follow our Sports Call host, J.J. Jackson, on Twitter by searching at underscore J.J. underscore Jackson underscore. And follow the show on Twitter by searching at Sports Call AU. Hashtag, is that two words? I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM, J.J. Ryan Brooks and Brant here inside our studio says we want to say thank you once again. Bill Bender with the Sporting News. It had been a little while since we had him on the program. I hate to say it was probably 10, 12 months since the last time we spoke with Bill Bender, a frequent guest throughout the college football season. So an absolute pleasure to get him back here on our radio show. As I said, your phone calls are welcome. 334-887-3401. It's Friday after all. And we've been promised Flashback Friday. And so joining us now on the program is... James from Montgomery. James has called into today's show. Hi, James. Hello, and War Eagle. War Eagle, sir. Yeah, I am so excited that it's Friday. And I actually have uh, some great Auburn football uh, memories that I've actually had over the years. Yeah, you told us that Flashback Friday you were going to tell us... Uh, the the Auburn memories that you've got from going to games, and then you were going to tell us what it what it takes to be an Auburn football fan, right? Yes. Go right ahead. Well, actually, my first time actually going to see an Auburn football game in Auburn was in 2012. In 2012, when I actually went to my first football game to see Auburn and the LSU, it was one of the one of the best moments in my life as an Auburn fan to actually see 
the Auburn Tigers and the LSU Tigers actually playing in Jordan-Hare Stadium for the first time as well. Yeah. What do you remember from that game in particular? Uh, the traditions, the history, the the sights, the sounds of, of hearing some of the the uh, seeing some of the uh, videos on on the video board uh, in Jordan Harris Stadium, seeing some of the great games of um, of years past, of seeing uh, LSU's uh, Auburn and LSU's first time ever playing in Auburn during the barn burner game, and and I mean that was really that was one of my my favorite moments as an Auburn fan to actually see that game as well, and then another one they actually showed was the earthquake game. Uh, between Auburn and LSU, and we were the loudest uh, stadium ever to actually have a lot of fans to, you know, scream and cheer. And, and I mean, it, it really tipped the scale as well. Yeah, and you got to see Kyle Frazier as the starting quarterback for your first game at, at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yes, as well, because with Kyle Frazier being uh, the Auburn starter, I was – I was very excited to see what he was going to do when he came in as a as a young freshman. And after the game, I actually, uh, believe it or not, after that game, after that big win, I actually uh, met him after the game, and I shook his hand as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Unfortunately, Auburn lost to LSU in 2012. They lost 12-10, to 10, and Kyle Frazier threw two interceptions. He had 13 completions for 97 yards. Yeah, as well, and um, that one when it was a loss. I mean, we were—I was trying to, you know, pray to God that we were going to make a comeback. But it, it just—I mean, seeing that game and being there and meeting a lot of LSU Bengal Tiger fans for so many years, and it, it's just amazing. And that—and that game will always be with me for forever. Yeah, James, and I'm, I'm glad you were able to have a great time despite uh, the, the outcome. That's always great when you can kind of just enjoy being in the moment and going to the game, win or lose. Yes, that's well, because when when you're at home and you have a, a packed house like Jordan-Hare Stadium, I mean, it, it can get to you as well as a fan, but as a player on the field for Auburn, you just have to keep on fighting. That's all. That's all we have to do. And we just have to keep on fighting and uh, keep on moving, moving forward. James, what does it take to be an Auburn fan? Well, I've had that question asked to me um, over the years, and what it takes to be an Auburn fan is you have to be very, very dedicated. As a local super fan that I am, you have to be low. You have to be dedicated into going to all the games, all of the practices to see some of the great uh, talent that we're going to have this year and what it really takes to be an Auburn fan. You have to, you know, you have to put everything into it. You know, you have to, you know, just have that, that tiger mentality in you. You know, you have to just have the, the way, the eye of the tiger in, inside of you, deep in heart, you know, deep inside of you. And once you go to those games, if it's like a robbery game, if it's like a, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Mississippi State with their cowbells, you just have to tune that noise out. You have to tune the opponent's uh, fan base noises out as well. Can we hear you do the War Eagle chant? Yeah, 
I can actually get a countdown if I if I yeah, can. Yeah, just like our buddy Matt will give you a countdown, okay? Here we go. Uh, all right. Five, Five four, four, three, three two, two, one. one. Four Eagle. Eagle. Hey! Beat Bama! <laughs> Beat Bama, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what we're going to do this year because I know we'll be playing Alabama for the Iron Bowl. And I think we're playing in Tuscaloosa, so that will be my first time actually going up there for a long time. You're going to go to the game? I'm actually going to be going to the game. It will be my first time actually going uh, to Tuscaloosa since, uh, oh, God, I would have to say since, oh, it's been, it's been a minute since I've been an Alabama fan, but I'm just, I'm just going to go anyway. And, you know, I might see some of my old, my old, uh, Alabama fans that I've, uh, been with for almost a year. And, you know, seeing, seeing, um, Brian Dennis Stadium, you know, in person, it, it's, it's going to be loud, but I'm going to be bringing a lot of fire and a lot of thunder to, um, to the, to the Tuscaloosa, um, fan base as well. And I think with Zach Calzada, he reminds me of like uh, a Tom Brady. He has that Tom Brady arm that he has. So I think uh, Zach Calzada will be our starter, and I think he's really good on his feet. That's really high expectations for him. Do you have some Alabama fans in your family, James? Uh, no, I do not. Okay, good. So you're surrounded by Auburn fans in your family. Yes, as well, because yeah, I am... Some families are divided. Some families, like some husbands are Alabama fans and their wife are Auburn fans, or vice versa. So it's good that you got uh, a lot of Auburn fans in your family. Yes, as well, because I am actually, I'm a diehard Auburn fan, and uh, my first time actually being an Auburn fan, um, it was in 2008. Um, I actually went to see the first time in... Auburn Arena, I went to actually go see a women's basketball game when they first started their season. And that was your first time being an Auburn fan, was at that women's basketball game? Mm-hmm. That was my first time actually being an Auburn fan in 2008, going into Auburn Arena and actually seeing some of the, some of the older, like, older players when they first started playing at Auburn, like yeah. uh, Tracy Tanner and uh, tar, uh, you know her sister that's on the coaching uh, on the coaching list right now. Uh, you know that's with um, coach uh, uh, the new basketball head coach Johnny Harris. She, yeah, Johnny Harris, and she has one of um, one of the greatest one of the greatest assistant head coaches from uh, that year when uh, she when uh, they when she played with her sister, uh, Tracy Tanner, as well. Yeah, uh, Auburn Arena didn't open in 2008. It was a few years later. That would have been Beardy East Coliseum. But uh, that's exciting. Those are good memories to kind of look back and and that sort of thing. What's your favorite part about being an Auburn fan, James? Uh, I mean, being an Auburn fan for so many years, seeing the fans, you know, meeting them and, and actually getting to – talk to some of the older the older fans that that's been a that's been a student at Auburn and and uh seeing some of the great legends you know some of the great football players of the past that 
you know, that fight with uh, Pat Dye and, uh, you know, seeing, hearing their, hearing their uh, stories um, inspire me as a young man as well and, and looking up to those uh, legendary uh, players of the past as well. It's also pretty cool that there are Auburn fans literally all over the world, James. I mean, there are some fans right now in Europe that absolutely love the Auburn Tigers. Isn't that cool that Auburn fans are all over the world and not just yes. here in the United States? Yes, it's very interesting because we are like, you know, we have a lot of fan bases. We have a lot of fans all over the world. We have fans in in the UK and London and, uh, you know, everywhere. You can go anywhere and no matter where you go, even in Las Vegas, Nevada, you go to Las Vegas and you just say War Eagle and they say War Eagle right back because it, it, it's so amazing to see us as Auburn fans and as the Auburn family stick together. And that's what we do. We always stick together and we, we look out for one another as well. Yeah, you could do that in Germany too. Yes, as well, and with some of the with some of the uh, Auburn baseball players that I've actually seen, uh, you know, seeing some of these great guys that they are going to be playing in the College World Series. I know we have one guy that plays with us this season. He's from Puerto Rico, and he he's a really good guy. He he looks he looks like he could actually get into uh, into the NBA and into the Major League uh, baseball draft as well. No kidding. Yeah, Joseph Gonzalez is who you're talking about. You have any other yeah. things for us here on Flashback Friday? What else? Um. Well, actually, I do have one uh, for the NFL. Uh, my first time actually uh, watching uh, the the Super Bowl for so many years and actually seeing so many great teams actually making it to the Super Bowl. I've seen uh, I've seen Kansas City and uh, Tampa Bay. I've seen uh the Los Angeles Rams and the Cincinnati Bengals and maybe this year's Super Bowl I would like to see a, a good classic matchup between the uh Dallas Cowboys and the Miami and the Minnesota Vikings as well. All right, Cowboys Vikings, they would have to play in the NFC Championship game. They wouldn't be able to play in the Super Bowl because they're both NFC teams, but that would be a fun game. Yeah, so if uh if we actually do play in the uh, NFC uh, playoff divisional round, I think with uh, Dak Prescott coming back 100%, Ezekiel Elliott coming back 100%, Michael Parsons, and uh, some of the new draftees that we just picked up, I think I think it's going to be our year. I think it's going to be Dallas Cowboys' year to actually win a couple of games in the preseason as well. So I think we're going to. I think we're really really going to make it. Um, 100% on the preseason as well. James, we know you're pretty active on Twitter. We saw that uh, you're getting excited about the Birmingham Stallions game in the USFL. Yes, yes. They actually play tomorrow at 4 p.m. So they're playing in the playoffs to actually um, play in the playoffs. So I think um, it's going to be a hard, um, it's going to be a hard, tough decision. So I think with the Birmingham Stallions trying to wait they're trying to see if they're going to play the New Orleans Breakers or the Tampa Bay Bandits. So I'll probably see the Birmingham Stallions and Tampa Bay Bandits play uh, a classic matchup in Canton, Ohio, 
for the big game as well. We'll see. We'll certainly see how it all plays out. It, it should be really exciting. And then we got to ask you about one more thing, James. Okay? Sure. We saw where uh, we we saw where you said Joy Taylor will be your future wife. So so yes. now we've got Liv Morgan, Joy Taylor, and Marie, buddy. Well, that's kind of hard because actually, um, well, right now for me and my girl, we're just taking a break right now. So I'm just a little upset with her. So we're just trying to, you know, take a little break right now because we just um, we just got into a little into a little um, boyfriend girlfriend argument as well. All right, so you're gonna shoot your shot with Joy Taylor. Yes, as well. So I'm just um, trying to, I'm just like, you know, trying to get, you know, trying to get my girlfriend back to the way she was when I when I first started talking to her as well. So I'm just giving her some time to, you know, collect herself and and you know, come come to me as as a woman as well from a man's perspective as well and talk to me more respectfully as well. Is she just being rude? Yeah, she is because I mean, when I was in a relationship, I mean, it's so much for me to take in. So I'm just trying to, you know, show her that, you know, I'm a nice man. I'm a nice guy. So I just want to, I just want her to understand where I come from and where I stand on my end as a man as well. You're supposed to see her soon, correct? Yes, uh, we will be uh, meeting sometime real soon, but I'm giving that up to God as well. All right, good, good, good philosophy to follow there. Uh, last thought for us, James. What'd you think of the uh, uh, NBA final? I know you thought the Boston Celtics would win. You did think the Boston Celtics would win, but uh, we got to give it to the Warriors. They got it done. Yes, I mean I was right there. I was like watching it, praying. I was just sweating, and I was, I was just like. I thought the Boston Celtics was going to win it for me, but I guess not. But I'll have to say in 2023, I'll probably see the Boston Celtics actually go back to the NBA Finals sometime real soon as well. And play your Dallas Mavericks? Yes, as well, because I think that would be a really good uh, matchup as well. Okay. We hope that that could take place. You got any big plans for this weekend? Um, I really do not have any big plans uh, this weekend, but I would be um, volunteering tomorrow. So, um, those I'll are big probably, plans. I like it. Yeah, so I'll um, probably um, y'all. You can actually call on uh, on Facebook. You can actually, you know, do like a Facebook uh, group chat, and I can talk to you all guys on uh, tomorrow as well. What do you think about uh, last thought for us, James? Father's Day is coming up on uh, on Sunday. Is there anything special you want to say for Father's Day, or maybe your dad too? Um. Well, actually, for that, I mean, for that day, I just, I mean, that that's really a hard thing to you know to skip over because I mean, with me. Being a young man and uh, seeing what my dad has done for me over the years, it it really it really brings me to um, you know to actually one day for me and my girl one day we might as well decide to have children and I would um, you know teach my son some you know some observations of life and and seeing if he if he's going to get married in his in his near 
future as well whenever I do have children um, real soon as well. And then it would be a happy Father's Day for you, right? Yes, as well, because with that, I mean, with all the dads out there, just keep doing what y'all are doing, and, and maybe for, you know, the next generation of fathers, uh, would come along real soon as well. Well, happy Father's Day to your dad, James. Tell him we said hello, and uh, we appreciate the phone call, and I'm looking forward to talking with you on Monday, okay? All right. Sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, indeed. That's our buddy James from Montgomery, and he's joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. It brings the first hour of our show to a close on the other side of this break. We will uh, be chatting with retired War Dam Steve. That's coming up next right here on Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starts right now on Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Our thanks again to Bill Bender from Sporting News for joining us on the program. Your phone calls are welcome, 334-887-3401. Unfortunately, the Atlanta Braves have just lost to the Chicago Cubs by a score of 1-0. Their 14-game winning streak has come to a close. A 1-0 win in favor of the Chicago Cubs. Our good friend Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer at JFergusonAU on Twitter just tweeted, The end of the Braves' winning streak was destined to be hilariously on-brand, stranding the bases loaded to fall 1-0 to a team on a 10-game losing streak is next level. So it had been tough times ouch. for the uh, Chicago Cubs. Ouch. And uh, ouch indeed. Only got two hits today. And yeah. Did you? The, I just saw the run. The run was just a sack fly. Michael Harris almost threw him out of the plate. They got in there by just a few inches. And so <sighs> game of inches and everything. It absolutely yeah. is. It was going to come to an end, but uh, it is tough to lose after a, a day off one to nothing. No kidding. To a bad team. No yeah. kidding. Especially, you know, they shifted on or, – Orlando Arcia was the last brave to bat, and they shifted on him, and he tried to go the other way, and it's just – 
you know, he he hit the ball the other way, just right at the first baseman who was alone on the right side. It was it was a shame, but it, it sucks to lose. But whatever. It Back at it tomorrow again. at one o'clock. I mean, you play 162 of them. Brooks Childress is here with us. Hello, Brooks. How Hello. are you? Great. How are y'all doing? Um, Pretty well. Uh, we've done a show for an hour now. I was sorry I've been so quiet, guys. Uh, it's it's um, I'm just out here, yeah. rocking, rolling, having some fun, getting ready for the weekend. Uh, big College World Series weekend getting started today. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas A&M getting started. Oh, Texas A&M's on the comeback train. Don't call it a comeback. It is 12-7 to 7 right now in the bottom of the seventh. Texas A&M trying to fight their way back into this one. So big, big game to start the College World Series off. Auburn plays tomorrow. Can't wait to uh, get into more of that as we go along. And uh, I had a great interview. I did get to hear some of that Bill Bender interview in the first hour. If you missed it, uh, it'll get tweeted out right after the show goes off the air. Um, but, yeah, y'all did a great job. Thanks. Interview. Really like to hear. Every time he's on, I, I really enjoy listening to him. I'm cause, mainly because I'm just a college football psychopath. Yeah. And I literally watch anything and everything college football. And so I, I'm going to have to go do a more in-depth look at his list of rankings because part of me just wants to see where the MAC coaches are ranked. <laughs> That's coming up later. That's coming up later in the program. So Excellent. we'll be able to dive into all of that. So uh, that is coming our way. And again, here in a few moments, we'll get the chance to catch up with Keith Niebuhr. He's got a new gig with Auburn Live and On3 Sports as they are getting set to uh, have another big recruiting weekend as always. So we will discuss uh, a lot of the big names coming to town this weekend, what the next few weeks look like for the Auburn football program moving forward. And then that's right, guys, tomorrow... Auburn baseball is playing in the College World Series. Airtime at 5.45. Uh, I'll let everybody here in the studio know I have scheduled it to go on the air. I've been able to accomplish oh boy, that task. Proud of you. So, uh, folks, we'll be able to listen to that. 93.9 FM tomorrow starting at 5.45 in the College World Series. I mean, this is amazing. Omaha. Omaha. Yeah, no, uh, again, another tough road to get there for Auburn but at least they got to host a regional and got to have a home celebration and and really put just absolutely put on a show during the regional as we all saw with the 51 runs the big crowds the weather delays at the end and, and everything <laughs> but uh now it's it's winning time it's it's time to determine a champion and uh I was telling you guys and y'all already knew it but just discussing with you guys before the show that you know, the D1 baseball staff writers made their picks of uh, who they thought was going to win. And, of course, each team is technically in a bracket. And Auburn was the only team of the eight teams uh, that no one on the staff picked to come out of their bracket and get to the, the World Series final there. So um, still people not believing in Auburn, uh, and that's okay. But uh, it's a great opportunity for the Tigers, and they it's really interesting matchup. I, I don't know. What about you guys? Do you guys like that Auburn is playing an SEC team uh, in their first game, or would you have rather seen somebody else? I, I'm always for playing teams that aren't from your conference. I feel like it just adds more variety to the sport. But I also feel like when you get to this point, you're I, I don't want to say you're just happy to be here, but you're kind of just taking all comers at that point. You know, Half the field is up, made up of – SEC team so you're going to face one at some point most likely especially if you make a deep run so uh, with the way that things just kind of shook out it was all but unavoidable I feel that way too I, I like to be able to have some variety because you do see them play SEC opponents throughout the regular season so let's see some of those more uh, non-traditional non-conference 
opponents there once you get to the grandest of stages. But, I mean, it just goes to show how talented the SEC is, and it's a team in Ole Miss that you've already seen this season. So um, let, let's lace them up. Let, let's put the gloves on. Let's run out there and all the cliches in the world. Let's play some baseball and get 27 outs and be winning at the end of those 27 outs. There you go. You know, um, I would, I'm torn on this because if you think back to the last time the Auburn Tigers were in the College World Series, two, you know, two years ago, three years ago, whatever you would like to say in 2019, um, they played a team that they had seen earlier in the year in the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and they lost. And so I, part of me, the superstitious part of me, says I'd rather have someone new face someone new that you haven't seen because you know what happened last time. But – because of how this team is played and how they played Ole Miss the first time and took a game from them when they were number one, I'm very optimistic that Auburn can get the job done in this first game against Ole Miss. I, I think that obviously, you know, we talked to people all week. Uh, Andy Bertram said it yesterday that uh, both of these teams are different from when they played them the first time. Um, and then you look at how Ole Miss ran through, you know, got out of the uh, Cor- not Corvallis, the uh, Coral Gables regional, and then shut out the. Southern Miss Golden Eagles all weekend. They blanked them in both games, and so that was a national seed because they got to host. And so, it's it's and it it it's it's going to be challenging, and I'm nervous about it. As a is if you just took me as a sports fan, I would be nervous about it as an Auburn fan. But the way that I saw this Auburn team play in Corvallis against the number three team in the country. Uh, a team that beat another team that had made the College World Series in Stanford. No, lost to Stanford in the uh, in the in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, I, I've got. I, I think it, I'm fine with Auburn getting this Ole Miss team to start with because I think that Auburn, this Auburn team can get can get the job done. Obviously, Auburn did not have a, a ton of success against Ole Miss earlier in the season as they won one out of three. But it was really weird because really all the games were blowouts. Uh, including Auburn's victory, but I, but the, also the thing about that is is that was a completely different portion of the season, and it, I believe it was the first SEC yep. series yep. of the year, and so it, it was really as far back as it can be to play another conference team. Uh, you know, Ole Miss, I guess, is in similar form that they were then. They were the number one team in the country, and then they they fell apart after that. But I guess they're back in that form now. So I guess you're playing a team that's probably playing similarly to what when they were playing Auburn the first time however maybe Auburn's playing uh their best now so you know I, I think their their matchups are always going to be uh what determines if, if, if it's good or bad for Auburn this team scored a lot of runs on Auburn but in, in baseball you're asking for one great game you know and and is it the game that Auburn piped Ole Miss in or is it the the game that Ole Miss destroyed Auburn in, and and it's always going to be hard to know that, but I think both teams at the very minimal will feel confident because this is as familiar as it gets. You played this team earlier in the season, and so you know the scouting report. You know what you'd like to accomplish, so it it can be a little bit easier at least to to have a clear game plan. We really love catching up with Andy Bertram on yesterday's show. You can find that conversation on the Sports Call podcast in that conversation, we talk about what it's going to be like to be on the mic for Auburn in Omaha. The College World Series gets started tomorrow. Let's take a quick timeout when we return. Keith Niebuhr joins the program next here on Sports Call. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. We're done paying the bills. 
Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call, WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. JJ Jackson here with you with Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. And uh, we are so thrilled to be able to go back to our Auburn Bank phone lines and bring on a good friend of the program, Keith Niebuhr, no longer with 24-7 Sports, but here representing Auburn Live and On3 Sports. So it's a new outlet, but it's the same Keith Niebuhr, and he's joining us here on the program. Keith, how are things going for you in your world? Yeah, man, nothing new. I'm just getting ready to... Uh, quite frankly, hit some golf balls on a Friday afternoon down here in Florida. That's the, <laughs> so nothing's changed. That's the best way to do it, best way to have a Friday afternoon. So we'll, we'll keep this brief and let you get back out there uh, to work uh, no. on that swing for yeah. sure. But, Keith, tell me this. Tell me about uh, this new gig with Auburn Live. What excites you about this opportunity? As I mentioned, we've talked to you for a number of years here on the radio show. You're one of the best when it comes to Auburn Tigers recruiting. So you get to do that just now with the new brand. Yeah, I don't want to bore everybody. We'll get. And before that, he you know ran rivals, and so he's kind of the guy in our industry. You want to hit your hit your lasso to, or whatever, hit your wagon to, and so uh, really, we're just trying to take recruiting to the next level. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just work harder, work smarter. And uh, then we've got a bunch of new database products. Because really, at the end of the day, for all the stuff we write, uh, to the average fan, they're going to get more information than anything just by going to a recruit's profile page. Because that's going to list who's offered them a scholarship. It's going to list, uh, you know, when his next visits are, whether they're official or unofficial, all that stuff. So, uh, And then also, uh, you know, the recruiting prediction machine, which projects where guys are going to sign. You can almost get everything you need off of that stuff. And then we kind of give you the, uh, the, uh, the, the other intel that goes along with those recruitments. But we're just trying to take it to the next level, kind of 24-7, 2.0, if, if, uh, if, if the, it all goes well. That's the plan, anyway. Let me ask one question about you personally and yeah. Pacific here, and then we'll get on to, to the Auburn recruits and that sort of sure, thing. But sure, sure. Uh, you've been competing with Jeffrey Lee for quite some time now, and, and in the release he's very complimentary of you and your work, and now you guys are getting to team up together. I mean, how special is that? Yeah, I mean, I like everybody on the Auburn beat. Well, for the most part, but, <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. But you know, we all—I'm joking. We all get along, and it, it's always different. Every few years, somebody moves to another company. One day you're you're competing with somebody. One day you're competing next. So it's really not anything out of the ordinary. And we know each other really well. I know what he does well. He knows what I do well. And you know, hopefully, we can complement each other. And then we've got a third person in that group, Cole Pinkston, and then obviously Justin Hokinson, who covers the team and probably gets more intel on the day-to-day of the team itself than, you know, arguably anybody in the Auburn market. So it's not like you've got a good team, but, again, I'm not like a really good salesperson. People just need to check out Auburn Live and decide for themselves. And uh, right now, actually, we do have a $1 special, $1 for the whole year, and I think today or tomorrow may be the last day for that. So it's a pretty good deal. I think people will like it if they're 
They're diehard Auburn fans. They'll, they'll love it. No kidding. Be sure to check that out for sure. All right, AuburnLive.com. It's Keith Nieper yeah. joining us here on the show. So, Keith, we talk about Auburn, and it's Brian Harson going into the second year, and recruiting is obviously something that's really important. A couple of new coaches coming into the mix, Jimmy Brumbaugh in particular there on the defensive line. What, what's the take? What's, the, uh, what's going on with this new coaching staff as they're getting out there and, and trying to recruit and, and bring the next great line of players in for Auburn football? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some real challenges. I mean, people say, are, are you saying challenges or excuses? And I say, well, they're excuses, but they're legitimate, which makes them challenges. And that is, you know, Auburn really hasn't recruited at a peak level in, in three or four years now, okay? And, you know, obviously they fired a head coach a few years ago. And then last year they only won six games. So it's not the hot program right now. And, and everybody knows that. Everybody within the program knows that. The goal is to make it a hot program again. And you do that. Uh, by recruiting impact players, guys that can turn a program around, and it's hard because look who you're look who you're competing against on Saturday. Uh, they didn't get those players by accident, and so you've got to beat those guys, the Georgias and Alabamas of the world, and LSU. You've got to beat them the other part of the year and get recruits uh, to compete with them. It's hard, but uh, no, the, the reviews so far on the new coaches have been good. Uh, they've got to land guys. Though. They've landed some transfers, but you know, you have Christian Robinson, the linebackers coach, who did some good things at Florida as a recruiter, probably the most personable guy on the Auburn staff, and he's got Auburn in the mix with a lot of good players. Now, in the mix again, and and landing them are two different things. They've got an accept. There's no, we're not, we're not mincing words here, um, but he does have a really good one in from Tampa Catholic coming in this weekend. Lewis Carter, Oklahoma, very high on his list. North Carolina, very high on his list. Four-star linebacker. Tampa Catholic's a school that Auburn's had great success before. And, in fact, the head coach there is Jarris McIntyre, the former Auburn receiver, whose father played for Auburn. In fact, the whole family went to Auburn. So they've got some connections there, but this is a big official visit for him. He's close with uh, Christian Robinson, but he doesn't really know Brian Harson. So that's what this weekend's going to be all about. Jimmy Brumbaugh, who actually grew up about 30 minutes from down in Florida, uh, you know, he brought a new enthusiasm to the uh, defensive line recruiting. You know, Rodney Garner had a lot of success for a lot of years. Uh, and then last year, Nick Eason came in from the NFL and was a little bit green. And, and now he's at Clemson, such so a third D line coach in as many years. So Jimmy's having to kind of beat every bush, basically, to try to find guys. And again, it's a challenge. You know, a lot of kids, what we're hearing is that they want to wait it out. They want to wait to see what Auburn looks like in the fall. They want to know these guys are going to be there. And if they're, you know, if they're, if they're two and three, maybe they won't be. But if they're four and one out of the gate, then all of a sudden things look pretty good and you're going to see a, a lot of things come together in recruiting. And that's not what fans want to hear, but that's the reality of the situation right now. They're going to have to be patient, I think. But I think all the new guys are recruiting at a high level. Rock Bell and Tony, the edge coach, he's got uh, some kids in this weekend, including a, a Georgia commit. So they're working hard. It's just, you know, you're starting from scratch when you've, You've had some not-so-great seasons, in a sense. You know, and we're back-to-back. Back. Keith, when you look at this 2023 recruiting class, uh, who are so, what, what position do you think that Auburn needs to go after the hardest, and what position do you expect them to really land some, uh, some big-time playmakers? It's so funny you ask that, because somebody else asked me that this week, and, and uh, we were trying to rank the position of need, you know, uh, from most important to least important. It's hard. It's hard because they got a lot of needs. I mean, look what you're going to be losing off this team probably this year. Tank Bigsby, probably year three. Uh, your offensive line, you're going to lose a bunch of guys. You know, linebacker, you're going to lose Owen Proposed. Secondary, you're probably losing good guys. So they got needs everywhere. But I would put at the top of the list, I always say quarterback. I don't care if you sign quarterbacks three years in a row. 
I think you always, every year, need to sign a quarterback and have a good one. And at that position, Brock Glenn's their main man. He's really blown up of late. Ohio State recently offered, I think he's visiting them. My memory's correct, maybe this weekend. Auburn appears to be in good position there. But, you know, obviously offensive tackle where Auburn has not recruited well since 2017. And, look, I mean, Auburn's not had great offensive lines. I don't think it had been terrible, but certainly not upper echelon in the SEC. I think, I think you guys would agree with that, and everybody would be. You know, serviceable, but serviceable is not winning you any championships. And this isn't about winning eight or nine games. This is about building a championship program. And the coaching staff and the fans of Auburn deserve and expect no less than that. Well, you got to start an offensive tackle. You've got to get some elite guys. They're in it with Bo Hewley, four-star tackle from Georgia. He's committed to Georgia. They're in it with Stanton Ramil, who's from uh, Thompson High School in Alabaster, Alabama. He just visited this week, and I think he'll probably be back soon. He's visited a half dozen times. Uh, so they've got a real shot there to make some moves. And then I would say the edge rusher position. From 2013 to now, I started covering Auburn in 2013, so that's my major frame of reference, right? D. Ford and Carl Lawson that first year, mainly D. Ford, but Carl Lawson in spells. And then your other great season, uh, and obviously that team almost won a national title, your other great season was 2017. What was the common denominator? Well, you had great quarterback play, great running backs, all that, but, but you had edge rushers, a dominant edge rusher. Well, we forget because he never made his mark in the NFL, but Jeffrey Holland had one heck of a season that, that year in 2017. And that helped get Auburn's defense off the field. I mean, he had 10 and a half sacks, but was really disruptive more than half the time, right? So he, they could get off the field. Well, Auburn's about to lose Derek Hall and Ikuliota, not in the too distant near future. They have to sign a minimum of two edge rushers in this class, a minimum, okay? So to me, those are the main positions. And one position, oh, excuse me, one player at the edge position is Reuben Bain. I'm going to forget some names, by the way. <laughs> Reuben Bain out of Miami. Miami's heavily involved. His uncle was Tolbert Bain, the great Miami Hurricane. Um, and I think he's got a, a brother that works there. So they're, they're in it. Um, Keldrick Falk out of Highland Home, Alabama. Now he's a big edge. He's 6'5 and a half, 265. He could develop into a strong side end. I'm not sure. But they're in it with a bunch of guys there. So, again, those are, to me, the three key areas. But you look at running back. You're going to be losing tank bigs. you got to have a couple guys. Offensive line, you got to have guys that aren't tackled. Receiver, well, that's not the strength of the team, so you got to beat that area up. Tight end, I think they're great in great position. Uh, defensive line, they're going to need to sign probably four inside defensive linemen or, or guys that can play strong side or inside, uh, not not including edge rushers, so excluding them. Uh, linebacker, Owen Popoe is going to be gone. you got to sign some guys there. Secondary, you got some older guys. Pritchett's old now. Uh, Jalen Simpson's older, so... If you don't replace them this year, you're going to have to do it next year. So this is, to be the most important recruiting class at Auburn in many years. Many years, because last year's class, the 2022, was just okay, right? And then the transitional class from Gus Malzahn to Brian Harson after Gus was fired was below par. So you cannot have three sub, um, three non-elite classes in a row at an Auburn University if you plan on winning anything. It just can't happen. So this is the one. This is the one that everything is on right now as far as I'm concerned. Now, you can survive through the portal. You can piecemeal things together, but that's building a team. That's not building a program, and there is a difference. Keith, uh, it's it's no secret that uh, last year's recruiting class just didn't go the way that people wanted it to go, and it seems that this coaching staff is taking a, a drastically different approach uh, at this point in time. So what specifically is Auburn's coaching staff doing differently than it did last year? Yeah, well, first of all, let me just say, it wasn't a terrible class. It just wasn't, you know, a top-ten class. They got some key guys. The quarterback, Holden Gurner, could be, end up being a great player. 
Camden Brown, a receiver's already kicking tail out there, we learned from Owen Popo in an interview this week. So they, they got some good guys, just not maybe what, you know, they didn't find any offensive tackles. They only signed one offensive line. But what's different, I, I think Auburn has increased its staff uh, and, and more guys with knowledge of the South. So Rock Bell and Tony's your new edge coach, you replaced Burt Watts, who had really not much experience in the South. Rock's recruited the state of Florida for 23 years. Jimmy Brumbaugh's from Florida, played at Auburn, and has recruited in Georgia and Alabama. Christian Robinson comes from the Florida Gators, grew up in, in the Atlanta area, played at Georgia, and has recruited from Atlanta down to Florida. So these are guys that know the lay of the land. And so you throw them in with the guys from last year's staff that are still there, the Zach Etheridge's and Cadillac Williams of the world, and all of a sudden you're tenfold your staff's knowledge of Miami to Atlanta to Birmingham to Mobile and down to Tampa, which is probably where Auburn's going to find 75% of its guys in that big loop, right? And uh, just that knowledge and knowing high school coaches and having more connections with seven-on-seven people, all that stuff makes a difference. But, again, kids, at the end of the day, they want to win. They want to be developed. They want to make it to the NFL more than anything else. Uh, But they also want to know the guys recruiting them are going to be around. And so that's probably one of the reasons why some of these guys are being patient. Now, that said, on July 2nd, Carmelo English, a four-star receiver from Phoenix City, Alabama Central High School, he's going to announce his decision. We like Auburn there. The quarterback, Brock Lynn, could be close to having a decision. We like Auburn there. So things are coming along. There just may not be one of those weeks where Auburn gets seven commitments. You know, people are, there's some wait and see with these kids, just like there are with, these, with fans and, you know, with everybody. So there's a lot of moving parts. But when you, if you can separate – if you can pull yourself away from just looking at the commitment list and look, try to look at the overall picture, it, there is more optimism or more reason for optimism than a year ago at this time. Now, it's, it, that doesn't mean they're going to get there. But right now, in the overall scheme of things, it looks better than it did a year ago. They've still got a ton of work to do. And, by the way, they know that. They're not, they're not sure-coded. I'm not getting calls from these guys saying, man, take it easy on us or, they're complaining about the challenges. If anything, there's a lot of confidence over at Auburn headquarters. Keith Niebers joining us here from Auburn Live and on three sports. Just a few more moments here with Keith, and then we got to let him get back out there on the golf course. I do want to talk in specifically about this upcoming 2022 season for Auburn. And just one thought from you, Keith, because we look at the defense, and obviously that's so important for Auburn football. It's uh, Derek Mason no longer here, so a new coordinator stepping into the mix for the Tigers. And in that linebacker room, that's a position that so many people have taken pride in over the years. A lot of greats for the Tigers who lose Zacoby McLean and Chandler Wooten as they're off to start their professional careers. Tell us a little bit about Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner because these are guys that we haven't had as much playing experience on the field in the Auburn uniform, but Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner, Keith, those two guys are really going to factor in this season. Yeah, and I know those guys more from the recruiting show because, you know, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I could just try to blow smoke here, but, you know, once they get to school, I, I'm still following the recruiting, but I, I can tell you what I know about those guys. First of all, Wesley Steiner probably has the highest IQ of anybody on the team, maybe in the SEC. Wow. Could have gone to Stanford if he wanted. You know, straight-A student, you know. I can't remember whether he's going to engineering or medicine, but just a brilliant, brilliant guy and an incredible athlete. I mean, a guy that tested off the charts, like Owen Popo testing numbers in high school. Now, so he's got all the tools. The question with him is between his ears. He's almost too smart. He may ask too many questions. He may think a little too much. That was the one, not knock, but one concern coming out of high school. So, um, 
you know, linebackers an instinctual position. I mean, you got to read and react. you got to do all that stuff. But a lot of it's instincts, right? So they've tried to get him to the point, I think, uh, I, I believe both the staffs, the Malzahn staff and our staff, where he's, you know, he's, he can just play. He's not overthinking things. And if he can do that, the talent's there. And he, he's a wonderful personality. And uh, so I, I think the ability's there. Now, Cam Riley, now he's more of a stout linebacker. I mean, stout in stature. He's not 6'4", 220. That's Cam Riley, who's kind of a, a freaky athlete. But in a different way, I, I don't know where he's at right now, but there's been speculation through the years that maybe he could end up at the edge position. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's happened, but uh, it's always been in the back of at least fans' mind, given his size. But, again, an, an athletic freak. I don't think he was crazy uh, that, about the fact. He, I think he thought, from what I'm told by people close to him, that he uh, – I guess I do more, know more than I think. <laughs> uh, but people close to him say that he uh, – he, he wasn't thrilled that he didn't play more last year. So, okay, there's two ways of looking at it. One, maybe he just doesn't mess with the staff, and we're not suggesting that at all. Or two, maybe he just wasn't ready, and and maybe that could be a great motivator for him. There was talk we had heard behind the behind the scenes that maybe that was a guy that was going to throw his name into the transfer portal, but he didn't. So that says something. That says something right there. But both those guys have a world of talent. But you know, again, you got to go out and do it. What are you doing? What are you doing when you're out there on the field? You know, it's. Um, you just never really know until you get key reps. Now, I think Steiner played some important reps last year yeah. when, uh, when they had some injuries, but uh, uh, the ability's there. There's no doubt about that. But again, you know, ability's just that until you go out and do it, right? Well, we'll look forward to seeing what they can accomplish this season. And again, check out AuburnLive.com. One dollar for an entire year of coverage and follow Keith Niebuhr on Twitter as well. Always a pleasure to keep up with you. We know how important golf is to you. The U.S. Open going on right now. You ever been to Brookline before, Keith? I have not, but I will tell you. Uh, what's today's date? The 16th, right? Yeah. I think it's today the 16th. 17th, well, yeah. Wow. That's, uh, that's going to be my July. <laughs> that is so outstanding and awesome. That's awesome, Keith. We appreciate the time as always, and we'll talk again soon, okay? Oh, yeah. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. All right. That's Keith Niebuhr joining us there on our Auburn Bank phone line. Really good stuff in the world of Auburn football recruiting. That's for sure. We will go ahead and take our next commercial break. On the other side, retired Ward MC has been patiently waiting. We speak with him coming up next here on Sports Call. J.J. Jackson and the guys want to hear from you. Give them a call to join Sports Call at 334-887-3401. I'm Jeff Whitaker, Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back into the program. It's Sports Call on WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM. J.J. Jackson here inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brant Daughtry, and Brooks Childress. Our thanks again. Bill Bender from Sporting News joined us in hour number one. And then Keith Niebuhr from AuburnLive.com talked a little Auburn football recruiting with us just a moment ago. Let's go back to the phone lines. 334-887-3401. Joining us now, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve has called into today's show. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon, Mr. K.J. Jackson. Yes, sir. And Mr. Ryan LaVoy. 
Mr. Brent? Are you there? And Brooks Childress. And Brooks Childress. Yes, sir. Right. All right. Guys, let's get to it. Um, I believe, first, uh, I guess, very happy and uh, congrats to uh, Mr. Ryan LaVoy's Warriors team. Thank you, sir. Uh, You didn't really have to sweat that one out, did you? Uh, I always sweat it out, and also I know how quick runs can happen in the NBA, so the fact that they cut a 22-point lead down to nine in the early fourth quarter, no, I was absolutely still nervous. <laughs> okay, but not as nervous as an Auburn sports team that's sure. playing by 28 yeah. points or with the bases loaded and they can't score. Uh, wasn't that the Atlanta Braves you said that just did that? Correct. Yes. Sadly. Yeah, it almost sounds like an Auburn team doing that. Yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of Auburn team, guys – the honors just continue to come in for two of our players. You probably know who they are, Mr. Sonny D and Mr. Burkhalter, right? That's right. They both now have earned All-American honors from the American Baseball Coaches Association. Big time, big time. Big time, big time. And I did not know this until I read this on 247, that apparently um, Mr. Uh, Sonny D is also – a semifinalist for the Golden Spikes Award and yeah. the Dick Hauser Trophy. One of the big, one of the best hitters in the country this year. So when do they get announced uh, the winners for the Golden Spikes? I would think sometime either during the College World Series or right after the College World Series is done. Yeah, honestly, I don't know officially, but it's got to be soon. Okay, all right. Uh, I did not know this until I saw two forty-seven sports. But Sonny D is tied for second among. All active Division One players with 63 career home runs. Who leads it, guys? I couldn't tell you, Steve. I, I'm not sure. Okay. And uh, he is one home run away, guys, from tying Mr. Hunter Morris with the most single-season home runs. And he's got more games to do with it. So, I mean, the fact that Auburn went one and done in the SEC tournament, that could have been more games for him to possibly get there. Obviously, he had one in the regional. He had a couple against Oregon State. So, it feels like there is a really good chance with Auburn guaranteed to have at least two games remaining on their season that we could see Sonny Deshera hit more home runs. How many uh, walks do you think um, Ole Miss might give uh, Sonny D? That's going to be the one thing that might prevent him, honestly. If teams aren't pitching to him, it's hard to hit those home runs. So I think Ole Miss will be very careful. Well, it says here that uh, Mr. Sonny D uh, has 68 walks this season, the most in the country, and the second most in the team's single-season history. How about that? Not surprised at all to hear those numbers, yeah. he uh, p- Teams do not like pitching to that guy. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I heard, uh, Mr. Royal your comments about, you know, the matchups here at Ole Miss. And, but I think we have a slight advantage because they don't have that much familiarity at Ole Miss with uh, Mr. Gonzalez, do they? Correct. Yeah, I guess not if they haven't faced him. Yeah. Now, um, who was it you were referring to, uh, 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 Ryan, about the D1 voters? Who are they that didn't even include or give um uh, Bean's chance, I guess, of uh, Auburn at all in the uh, College World Series? I, I don't know every single person's name. I know Kendall Rogers. I mean, is what's the association? D, I mean, the D1 North? Baseball. D1 Baseball. Okay. The website. Well, enough of that nonsense. Mr. Kyle Peterson, you know him, don't you? Yes. Okay, well, according to Mark Murphy's interview with him, he said this about the Auburn Tigers baseball team. He said it is an experienced offensive lineup. It puts 
Auburn, he says, in a position where I think they will come out firing. I think the offense has all the pieces that you would want, top to bottom. And I saw every bit of it when I was at Auburn. Now, he's a, he's a pretty objective analyst, would you say? Yes. So how does he come up with that analysis and not one of these D1 uh, uh, analysts, so supposedly analysts, could even uh, – Say Auburn is a, yeah, a, a contender. Just one of those things where everybody's entitled to their opinion, and, and they weren't picked that well, much by the D1 baseball fact, staff. Right? And it, these are just projections for what they think, how they think these games are going to play out, and that sort of thing. So, if anything, we talked with Andy Bertram yesterday, Steve, about how this Auburn team has actually loved this season that people doubt them. That's why they're wearing the bad news jersey. That's why they're breaking down the huddle. Instead of 1-2-3 War Eagle or 1-2-3 Family or 1-2-3 Team, it's 1-2-3 Bad News, and Auburn does want to make bad news for folks that continue to doubt them. Well, I also saw some uh, bracket uh, predictions, uh, and Auburn's not even in there. Uh, but you know what, guys? You know, and that's great that they you know, got a chip on the shoulder, Bad News Bears. Again, just like football, I want to see Auburn be respected. And, and be they, thought of as a contender, not as, well, you know, we're the underdog, by gosh, and that's how we're going to do it. No, I want to be the one that's hunted. And that could happen. That could happen as you continue to go in more and more College World Series. you just got to prove it. A lot of these teams that they're going up against have been there in recent memory, and Auburn has too in 2019, but Auburn has yet to bring home that national championship trophy. So uh, if they do that, they'll start getting respect from folks out there, and then you will start to be hunted. Well, I would just say, you know, how come they didn't earn respect after what they did at Corvallis against the Oregon State? In fact, Kyle Pearson mentioned that. He said, when you beat someone like Oregon State at their place, it's a lot more difficult than to beat someone at home in the SEC. And that's why I, I don't get, you know, the D1 people that you mentioned, Ryan, uh, they don't think that what Auburn baseball team did at Corvallis was worthy of some respect. I think that they did respect the fact that they were able to win that Super Regional. It just doesn't mean that they're going to pick them to win that bracket that they're participating in. Okay, well, here we go again. All right, moving on, guys. Uh, How about moving to football real quickly? The man that I love to hate, Mr. Phil Steele. Uh Uh-huh. Because I don't think he's got that that great prediction. Uh, Did you see that uh, he picked two Auburn football players for his All-American team preseason? Was Derek Hall one of them? Yes, he is. Who's okay. the other one? Who is it? Tell us. It's Owen Papo. Awesome. Excited to see Owen back healthy this season and hope for him to have big contributions for the Tigers this upcoming year. All right, guys, we'll get your take real quickly. Uh, you may think, oh, Steve, you know, you need to get back on those medications, but I would like to see if you guys agree with me or not that Sonny D, for me, is our Cam Newton in baseball. Yeah, I mean, agree, disagree. I think um, let's see if uh, if it, I, mean, I want to see the end of the year take place. I'm, but I think right now you'd say he's the closest thing. I that would he's be gotta... totally fine if uh, if Auburn wins at all. I'm totally fine with that comparison. Yeah, he. I, I really do think we mentioned the Golden Spikes. I think he's got the case to win it. He does feel like the best hitter in all of college baseball. And if you take a team all the way and win it all this season, I know some people, Brooks was asking them, uh, Auburn's not in this position without blank. Uh, the answer is Sonny DeShera. Jason Caldwell told us that a little bit earlier in the week, and uh, I certainly agree with that. So uh, I, I think that comparison is fair if we're able to see Auburn win it all. 
Okay. Now, finally, guys, I do want to get your your thoughts on this matchup uh, with Ole Miss. Uh, do you give us a 50-50 chance, a better than 50-50 chance of winning two out of three against them? Uh, well, it's it's only one game. It, it's not uh, a whole series. It's just one game on tomorrow night, and so it's just. Well, no, I mean, do we win two out of three? Go on. Well, it, it, no, it, it's literally just one game. If Auburn beats Ole Miss, they will play the winner of Stanford and um, Arkansas. Arkansas. And okay, so we don't have to win two out of three against no, Ole Miss. No, you no, just have to win one Miss, to move yeah. on to the next winner's bracket. If you lose, you get put in the loser bracket. Oh, okay, okay, I got you. So unlike the Corvallis game, we just, if we just beat Ole Miss the, the first time and then it's on. We go on to the next uh, we're, we're in the winner's bracket. It, it's basically this set up. This is a if, regional. Yeah, again. I say if you if you think back to the Auburn regional, it's the same format as the Auburn regional. You got to lose twice to be knocked out of the tournament. Okay, I got you. Not the same team, just twice. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, well let's hope uh, the pitchers they have going against us, guys. You know, how does he compare to our pitchers and their bullpen? How do they compare to our bullpen? Look, uh, we haven't seen the pitcher for Ole Miss this season. He, as Andy Burcham said yesterday, he did not throw against Auburn earlier in the season. Ole Miss traditionally does have a good pitching staff. Mike Bianco does a good job running that program. So I, I, I like to think that Joseph Gonzalez is going to put Auburn in a big spot, going to pick up a big win for the Tigers tomorrow. I like Auburn's chances. I think they can get the win. I really do. Okay. Uh, their bullpen is as deep as ours. Uh, I'm not as familiar with their ball. It's been a while. I mentioned being on the call for two of their games earlier in the year, but it's been so different. They've had a couple of injuries and that sort of thing. They've got good arms. It's an SEC program. It's a traditional baseball uh, program and and Ole Miss making a lot of trips there to Omaha. Uh, But uh, I like Auburn's bullpen as well. I'd say they're probably fairly even in that regard. Okay. And, you know, typically – Less than a minute uh, to go, Steve. Our game game is 6 o'clock. Is there another team playing before us? Yes, there will be. The, that'll be the Arkansas Stanford game before us. So they'll oh play. They'll Here play that again. game. Here we go again. Yeah, they'll play that game, and then and then the winner of that game will play the winner of Auburn and Ole Miss. Okay, you ask James real quickly. You know, what does it take to be an Auburn Tiger? Uh-huh. I'll tell you what it takes to be an Auburn fan. First, a very good health insurance plan. <laughs> Secondly, uh, either uh, serious heavy drinking and or serious medications. Uh, you got those. That's been. How you become an Auburn fan? Yep. No well, doubt. Guys, you have a restful weekend. And Steve, uh, we want to take this opportunity to tell you and, and wish you a happy Father's Day. It means the world that you call us each and every day, and we know how much and how proud you are of your two kids out there in the real world. So uh, again, Steve, happy Father's Day. Thank you. And I hope all of you guys with your fathers are have or hopefully able to be with them. It's not in person, maybe through FaceTime. Uh, enjoy, enjoy uh, having your fathers around you. With that said, guys, have a good weekend, enjoyable weekend, and uh, we'll come back on Monday and yell War Damn Eagles. That's right. Thank you, Steve. All right, that's our buddy retired War Damn Steve joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401. If you would like to call in and be a part of the show as we're coming to the end of hour number two on the program here, I know a moment ago we had uh, Felix from Mobile back on the line. Felix, if you want to give us a call again, we would love to chat with you here on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. But again, they get set for the College World Series, and we'll remind folks once again that this is not a, uh, a series against the Ole Miss Rebels. It is a regional. Auburn is essentially, in their bracket, playing a regional against the Rebels of Ole Miss, against the Arkansas Razorbacks, and against Stanford, and that's yep. taking place starting tomorrow. Yeah, winners 
of both of those games tomorrow will face each other Monday night. Losers will face the, uh, each other Monday afternoon, and then it's it's basically a regional again. Hopefully, if you are the Auburn Tigers, you're going to want to win that game because it's it as Andy said yesterday, it continues to get hotter and hotter, and you want that night game uh, on Monday. So if you win, you get the night game on Monday. You get a little bit more extra rest. Let's uh, let's go back to our phone lines right now. 334-887-3401. And joining us now on the program, we've got Felix in Mobile back with us. Hey, Felix. Hey, guys. What's going on? Not a whole lot. How are you today? I'm all right trying to beat the heat, man. <laughs> and it, the heat keeps winning. That's the unfortunate thing about all this. The heat keeps winning. I promise you it is going to keep on winning, too, brother. I promise you it's hot. It's hot digging down in Mobile, brother. Anyway, uh, so... um. Uh, I was going to call about um, the the uh, baseball team. Uh, so we're going to Omaha, huh? I mean, uh, do we got like a do we got a fighting we got a fighting chance this year or what? Uh, I think you got to the way they've been playing these last few weeks, especially hit that Auburn regional and then the Corvallis Super Regional last weekend. You've got to believe that they've got a chance to make some noise up there in Omaha. They've, there's some really good teams up there right now. Um, Oklahoma is uh, just about to could wrap that game up with the Texas A&M right now. They're leading 13 to eight, top of the ninth uh, against Texas A&M. So Oklahoma's that's the really game I was going to ask you about that Texas A&M game. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it is top of the night, thirteen to eight, one out. And Oklahoma's got the bases loaded. Good night. <laughs> anyway, so I mean, I mean, so who who does who does Auburn play whenever I mean, you know, we go up there? Who who will Auburn face? So they'll face Ole Miss tomorrow night at six o'clock, right after Stanford and Arkansas, and then Auburn. Whatever happens to Auburn, if Auburn wins, they'll play the winner of that Stanford Arkansas game. If they lose, they'll play the loser at Stanford Arkansas game. Either one of those are both going to be on Monday. The the guy the, I think is a first baseman. I, I watched him play. Sonny Deshera, yeah. Yes, I watched him play. Hey man, that dude right he's there. He's huge. He, ain't he, man? And he can swing a bat from hill and back. I swear. I mean, I'm sorry. No, yeah, you're exactly <laughs> right. Bat, you're exactly uh, right. He's he's one yeah. home run shy of breaking the Auburn single season record for home runs in a year. I mean, he hits the ball a mile. Don't he, man? I mean, this this guy, he, he's tough. And he comes from where? He, he, he's not a he's Stanford. Not a he's, Stanford, that's it. Stanford, yeah. That's it. He, uh, gonna, uh, yeah, Stanford in Birmingham. He went to Hoover High School, and then Sanford there in Birmingham is where he started his college baseball career, and now he's transferred over to Auburn. Right. Now, I thought, I thought it was Stanford at first, but it's Sanford. Correct. Sanford right. in Birmingham. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I watched them guys play, man, and then uh, I watched the, the the end of the game. It was so happening. I just watched the end of the game, and and hey, when they were dog piling, that was the most a great I, feeling. I, I giggled, I giggled and giggled. I mean, I I, I love, I love, I just love Auburn. Period. Amen. If they, you know amen. And we're hoping they can they can dog pile here in Omaha uh, in the no middle man. of next week and win it all. No doubt. Well, guys, I appreciate you taking my call, and I know y'all probably. Wrapping it up, but uh, thank you so much, and I appreciate y'all. For sure. Have a great Father's Day weekend, Felix, down there in Mobile. Hey, we appreciate it. All right. Y'all too, okay? All right. That's, uh, that's Felix joining us there on the Auburn Bank phone line. 334-887-3401 or toll free at one 9 Alongside Ryan LaVoy, Brandon Daughtry, and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. Two hours in the books, and we're rolling.
two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call getting started on this Friday. WTGZ, Tiger 95.9 FM, and on the Tiger Communications app, JJ Jackson here inside the studio with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Brant Daughtry. It's been a really fun episode of Sports Call here today. Once again, June 17th, 2022, the day prior to Auburn baseball getting started in Omaha. They're in the College World Series, and they will take on Ole Miss tomorrow at 6 o'clock. You can listen to it on FM Talk 93.9 with Andy Burcham and Brad Law on the call. Again, our Sports Call Player of the Week this week, Blake Burkhalter, the Auburn closer, has been terrific so far this season. He takes home the honors as our Sports Call Player of the Week. We do this each and every day. Let's give you our daily show recap. We've already finished the first two hours of Sports Call today. <sighs> Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? Yeah, it's our Daily Show Recap. We've had a really fun show so far. A lot of good callers heard from James and Steve. Felix from Mobile stopped by to say hello to us as well. We appreciate them giving us a phone call. Keith Niebuhr from Auburn Live joined us on the program to talk about the Auburn football recruiting landscape, what that looks like, and then a really fun conversation in the first hour with Bill Bender from Sporting News. Really do appreciate Bill for joining us. If you missed any of that, make sure you go back and check out our Sports Call podcast uh, that uh, you can listen and find wherever you get your podcast, including the Tiger Communications app. Before we move forward into a discussion, let's celebrate our birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Yes, we love birthdays, and especially anybody born on June 17th, 2022. Happy birthday to Amari Cooper, 28, a current wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns. Drafted fourth overall by the Oakland Raiders out of Alabama. Two 1,000-yard seasons, four-time Pro Bowler, a BCS National Championship victory in 2012, first-team All-SEC in 2014, and the SEC Offensive Player of the Year in 2014 as well. Amari Cooper turns 28 years old. Between Cooper and Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, it's crazy, the wide receivers that the Browns have had come through their building within the last four or five years. And yet they're not really winning big-time games. Wait, hang on, timeout. Amari Cooper is there right now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. I got. I was thinking about his past teams. Yeah. And I just I misheard part of that. Right. So my apologies. But, yeah. Um, well, they're going to have – they've always had weapons. Yeah. Um, That's the best the word ball, I should getting the, Weapons. Getting the ball to weapons, though, very much a question Okay, there's our issue. Right now. Yeah. So, they, but, no, they've had a lot of talent for a couple of years now. And, uh, you know, I, I just read from the league today or read the league is 
weighing a heavy penalty for Deshaun Watson. So, all right. I don't know what uh, who will be throwing him the football, but uh, yeah. Just hopefully for everybody, we are near a decision. So yep. speculation could go out and we can know what's the plan moving forward. Jack Lawson, 28, current defensive end for the Buffalo Bills, drafted 19th overall in the 2016 draft, played for Clemson, Brooks. Go Tigers. We've had an Alabama player and a Clemson player. You know what that means? No. How about a Duke player? No. Jamison Crowder, a current wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, celebrating his birthday. Drafted in the fourth round of the 2015 draft by the Washington Redskins. Two-time first-team All-ACC in 2013 and 2014. Happy birthday, Jamison Crowder from Duke University. Go whatever. Yeah. Cool. Locked on. Go Heels. Yeah, check out Locked on Blue Devils, please. Subscribe on YouTube. Wolfpack. Uh, Popeye Jones, 52, former NBA player and now an assistant coach for the Denver Nuggets. Drafted 41st overall in the 1992 draft by the Rockets. Played college basketball at Murray State. The NCAA rebounding leader in 1992. A two-time OVC player of the year. And his number 54 jersey is retired by Murray State. You'll say go racers, but it's uh, just impossible to get you to say go blue devils. There's two of them that I won't. There's two schools that I won't say go oh, whatever. Man. No, and they've both <laughs> been said in this uh, in this yeah. area. Uh, Emmanuel quickly, current guard for the New York Knicks, drafted 25th overall in the 2020 draft out of Kentucky to the Oklahoma City Thunder, second team All Rookie Team in 2021. The SEC Player of the Year in 2020 and a McDonald's All American. Emmanuel quickly turns 23 years old. A big blue. All right. We had Kentucky, Murray State, Duke, eh. Clemson, and Alabama, eh. the alma maters of Some our birthdays today. Yeah. yeah, Birthdays in sports here on June 17th. Amari Cooper, Shaq Lawson, Jameson Crowder, Popeye Jones, and Emmanuel Quickly. That's a look at our birthdays in sports here on June 17th. If it's your birthday, we want to wish a happy birthday to you. Happy early birthday to Cam Berry within our Sports Call family. He celebrates his 25th birthday Manana. That means tomorrow. So, uh, happy birthday to Cam. Did you miss one? Did I? Did, flip it over. No. Okay. Oh. I thought I thought you missed one. Okay. Controversy. Live radio. Who did you say? Amari Cooper. Uh huh. Shaq Lawson. Jameson. Jameson Crowder. Popeye, Popeye Jones, Jones. The Sailor Man. Emmanuel Quickly. We've got Terry Davis on our uh, graphic. Happy birthday to Terry Davis. Yeah. Then. Happy birthday. Sorry, we don't get the bio info there. On Terry Davis. That's our birthdays in sports here on June 17th. Let's go ahead and we'll take our first commercial break of the hour. On the other side, we'll take more of your phone calls and more here on Sports Call. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. J.J. Jackson here inside our studios with Ryan LaVoy. 
Brooks Childress and Brant Daughtry, four days away from the start of the Thunder Chicken season, uh, which we're all excited about. Play some softball here in uh, in a few days. So uh, we talked about having Bill Bender on the program a little bit earlier, Brooks. Do you think we could get him to play softball with us? Uh, he lives in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, It'd be probably just a little bit of a commute. I don't know yeah, that we've we got it. We don't have the uh, payroll, no. like yeah. travel budget expenses and that Not sort as of thing. Not close as uh, Columbus. Georgia. Right, right, true. Um, but maybe, maybe never say never. I'll just say if if we get a, together a fall season, maybe if he's down covering an Auburn football game, we can uh, coax him into coming over. So he put together Brooks a list of college football coaches one to one hundred and thirty one. Yeah, insanity. Wow, that's something I would read. Well, let's talk about it then. I'm a big, uh, big believer in. Well, I was about to say Barry Odom, but he's no longer a head coach anywhere. Start with one. I just just give me who who's the worst coach in the country. Just go ahead and give that. Go to 131 yeah. real quick. Yeah. I would love can to I, go to can 131. I guess the school. Yeah, feel free. UMass. Um, I'll go ahead and tell people. No, they just got a new coach in the last two years. So that can't be UMass. Brian Harson is number 39. The Auburn Tigers head coach Brian Harson is number 39. Give me UNLV's coach. Gus Malzahn is 45. So Harson six spots wow. ahead in Bill Bender's rankings than Who's Gus Malzahn. Okay. Harson is six spots ahead of Gus Malzahn. Of Gus Malzahn. Okay. Arroyo came from Oregon at UNLV going back to Ryan. Marcus Arroyo is 127. Mm. He hasn't had UNLV's that many years, 127, though. Yes. Where's... Okay. Uh, well, he's not a head coach anywhere. I was about to ask, where's Ed Orgeron? I'm just like, who's the guy who got fired last year and has a has a new job somewhere smaller? Rhett Lashley, he's about to have his very first season as a head coach. He's 114. Number 114 Hype. taking over SMU. <laughs> Hype. Um, Ken Wilson. Ken Wilson, that's a name. Who? <laughs> that's a name. He's number 131. Where does he coach, Brooks? Ken Wilson. Eastern Michigan. He's out west. Um, I Western wanna... Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Is it UTEP? No. No. Uh, Further west, Nevada. Really? Yes. Wow. What? Did right. they have a half decent team a couple years they ago? They did. Uh, their coach um, went but somewhere he wasn't else. A coach. Okay. Does yeah, he have? So a, does he have a reason else. like listed why? Nope. That he's one thirty. Okay, so we just listed the coaches. All right. <laughs> yep. I hope someone from there, Nevada there reasons. reasons. Like, That's not Jay, fair. He's was, a top one twenty five. Because it was Jay Norvell, and then I think Norvell went to um, Utah State. He left Nevada and went to Utah State. Oh, did Brooks guess UMass? UMass is one thirty. Oh, what? so close. Yeah, I just, right. I just looked okay. on the screen over there. UMass, I can see that. Who's yeah. UMass's new coach? Don Brown. I knew he was. The, yeah. I, I yeah. know who that is. Yeah, yeah the Michigan D.C. for a long time. And he it? was D.C. at San Diego State for a hot second with uh, Brady, uh, Brady Hoke, Hoke for, for a hot second. Which would tie back to those Michigan days. Yeah. How about that? Um, Will Hall is the head coach at Southern Mississippi. He's one twenty four Last year... He was 129. Wow. Wow. Upswing. Moved up right. They were not particularly right. good last year, I did not remember. So he really had to – I guess he just Scott had to continue Leffler to have a job. is 121. Leffler's terrible. I, I don't know how to. Leffler's not <laughs> Scott low. Scott Leffler. No, can, have you kept up oh with boy. Bowling Green? <laughs> not at all. I mean, they're just oh, trash. Did it, didn't he get thrown out of a game last year while they were losing by 40? Why, yeah. I would I think want he did. to. I think he did. I think he argued with the Ralph. Yeah. Do you guys remember who Connor O'Gara's favorite coach is? Connor O'Gara. That's what it was. The we new chatted rule, with like, him from Saturday down south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I remember Connor. Romero. I wasn't on that interview. I was on that interview. Do you remember who his favorite coach is? No idea. Joe Moorhead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Joe Moorhead at Akron is number 104. Moving up, Joe. We mentioned that uh, Bill Clark at UAB is number 64. Last year, he was 54. Bill Clark fell back uh, 10 spots. He mentioned. I'm sorry, he fell 10 spots? Fell 10 spots. We won the conference. Fell, what twin, fell uh, 10 spots from. 54 last year, and now he's 64. This is what you do did in the office huh? when you talk about did, lists like this. Did y'all have a bad recruiting class? Again, I'm going to go back to what I said earlier. It's like people don't understand how ridiculously tough it is to win at UAB. If you have a 10-3 and UAB team versus a 10-3 and Mountain West team other than Boise State, UAB needs to get the nod there. Can I share you the coaches ahead in the group of five level? Go for it. Because this is something that he discussed, didn't have go it in front it. of him. Uh, Luke Fickle. Fickle's higher. That's fine. Cincinnati, number five overall. That's fine. Number one in group of five. Uh, Kalani Sataki, BYU. Oh, I remember UAB beating BYU in 29. Bowl game last year. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, whatever. Gus Malzahn, three. That's fine. UCF, 45 overall. Right. Hugh Freeze, four. Mm. Liberty, 50 Maybe. overall. Maybe. Maybe. No but I could probably come up with an argument for Bill, but okay. Sean Clark, App State, 51. You see, App State coaches are kind of hard to judge because I know Sean Clark hasn't been there that yeah, long. Yeah, how long has he been there? Um, it's just, This will be a second season. Yeah, that, oh, come on. It's Because you've got so <laughs> many good... Satterfield left and then... Yeah. Um, uh, Drinkwitz. Drinkwitz left. You've got so many good coaches that are ahead of them, and yeah, you, you got to ask how, how they build it. Not doing that. Sorry, not doing that. One year, not doing that. And then we've got Jamie Chadwell, yeah. sixth of group of five coaches. He's 52 overall, Surprise one spot behind not, Sean yeah. Clark at Surprise Coastal he's Carolina. he's not ahead of uh, Sean Clark, too. Jeff Trailer, UTSA, That's 53. Ridiculous. I've never heard of that name that in my life. That is ridiculous. He hasn't been there that long either, has he? I don't think he's been there that long. I've uh, Ryan, I've honestly ha I haven't heard this so, name before. So I, I'm now remembering UAB did not win the conference last year. They did lose to UC UTSA. Um, but again, UAB has won it twice under Bill Clark, and that was UTSA's first year being good. Yeah. They were like 7-5 and five the year before. They were. And then they this, were not very good before that. So this, again – that's just utterly ridiculous. This is going to be false. Trailer's second year or his third year, and they were seven and five, twelve and two last year. So he's nineteen and seven as a head coach, but he lost both of his bowl games. And then Bill Clark is eighth in group of five coaches, right behind Trailer, sixty fourth overall. Trailer fifty third overall. Bill Clark sixty fourth. There's eleven person drop between that and Clark. So no, I was going to say Trailer was the CUSA coach of the year last year. Right. But again, I guess Bill being there and being good for longer hurts him. Question: Jeff Trailer last year was number a hundred, right? So he jumped up forty-seven spots, and then like right behind him, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, fifty-four. He was seventy-eight a year ago. Yeah, I don't get it. It's whatever. I I I know the importance and quality of Bill Clark, even if others don't recognize that. Jeff Monken at Army, Dana Holgerson, Houston, Troy Calhoun, Air Force, Blake Anderson, Utah State, rounding out the top 12, group of five. 
no, what, coaches. Where did Jay Norvell go then? Jay Norvell was at, uh, I thought he was at, U- or at Nevada. Hold on. I don't he, know, he Brooks. I Nevada. really don't know. He went from Nevada. Oh, he went to Colorado. That's where he went. He went to Colorado State. He still stayed in conference. He went to Colorado State. He took over for Steve Adazio. That's what happened. Because I thought he went from, because uh, when you said Nevada was the worst team. Yeah. List, had the worst coach list. I was like, well, Jay Norvell went to Utah State, but no, Blake Anderson's still at Utah State. Norvell took over for Adazio at uh, Colorado State. I'm a freak. <laughs> I love you, though. <laughs> That was great. I'm a freak. PJ Fleck I didn't is number 21. It, by the way, I just right. I love a you moment, so. A moment of incredible self-awareness. That's right he is. For Brooks Childress. PJ Fleck, number 21. I, he needs to have a good good year this year. I don't think they're going to get – he's on, on any sort of hot seat, but yeah. the fact that right he's been the there for several years, he's got to be – he's got to have a good year this Here's year. Here's the top 15. Again, Sporting News, ranking college coaches, 1 to 131. Top 15, and I want reaction from people. Call in and chat with us, 334-887-3401. Top 15. Number one, Nick Saban. Number Shocking. two, Dabo Sweeney. Shock. Kirby Smart, number three. Ryan Day at Ohio State, four. Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, five. Brian Kelly at LSU is six. Lincoln Riley, seven. Jimbo Fisher, eight. Jim Harbaugh, nine. Kyle Whittingham at Utah is ten. Mario Cristobal now with Miami at 11. Mike Gundy at 12. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa is 13. Mark Stoops at Kentucky is 14. And Mac Brown, the Mac attack. Mac is back at number 15, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Honestly, I would change several things, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a few guys that could just shift around. I, yeah, I think they're I, all top 15 coaches. I think they're all worthy of that. What has Mike Gundy done to be worthy of being in the top 30, much less the top 15? Oh, no, I was going to oh. disagree. I was going to say he should be higher. You think so? Yes. He's I, consistently won at Oklahoma State. The only thing that's I, uh, kept him out won of— Won 10 uh, games is uh, yeah, the many only, seasons. The yeah. only thing that's nice. kept him out has been uh, Lincoln Riley yep. in Oklahoma. I just I don't buy top it. thirty. I don't buy it. Is that what you said? Yeah, I, I don't think he's. I mean, blah, I don't know. I don't buy him. Hold I don't on. buy him. The Hold vibes on. are bad. No, talk more. The vibes I need, are bad. Like, I don't. Talk I can't. This out. I can't defend my my stance. I just have an opinion. I'm throwing it out there. That's what this is. It's the off season. Why are we talking about this? Mike Gundy. Because it's the off season. We need something to talk about. And that's how the show works. Absolutely. That's how every show absolutely. works. So we're You're right. You're absolutely right. right. I'm not. I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying like. Does this matter? Mike it's, Gundy it's, I don't know. has anyway. been at Oklahoma State since 2005. He's had one losing season, and that was his first year. went 4-7. and seven. Every other year, he's had a minimum of seven wins. Last year, finished 12-2, and two, finished with a number, top 10 ranking at number 7. Won the Fiesta Bowl, 149-69. And this is, is, is his coaching record at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Vibes are bad. And you'd move up higher. Vibes are bad. Probably would. Yeah, one or two spots. I mean, he, um, you know, obviously they had the team that, uh, nearly made the national championship game one of the last years of the BCS um, has been consistent for a program that does have some history but is not the historical number one team in that own state uh, but has consistently been able to be towards the top of the Big 12 I mean if you look if you're really looking at it, they've been better than what's supposed to be one of the most great historical programs of all time Texas they've been better than them uh, really the majority of the time that, that Gundy has been there. Right. Uh, just say for the first couple of years where Mac Brown was still spitting out great Texas teams. But, um, yeah, no, he's he's definitely up there. I was a little confused about Cristobal because 
I again, yeah. I, I don't understand why. That's why I was kind of referring to moving Gundy up above someone like Cristobal because, you know, Cristobal has not done it for as long. But again, people, if we're counting everything, people have to remember remember that yeah, Mario Cristobal has had a couple good or had a couple good years at Oregon. He also was utterly atrocious at FIU. Like, not good at all. 27 he, and 47, to be precise. And so, again, I hate to be like this, but if we're doing this, it's like, I don't know how that guy ended up getting a, another opportunity compared to someone like Bill Clark, who saved an entire program and won conference championships in the same conference that that dude fell in. So, Mario Cristobal, to me, if you want my, if you want my hot take – shouldn't be in the top 25 because he's done nothing uh, overall. And, and again, some people wanted him for Auburn um, just because I guess he's a good old line guy. Well, that's great, but there's other parts of a football team. 27 and 47 is really bad. That part of it. And, really bad. And, again, like he's had a couple good years at Oregon, but did he do something out of the ordinary? He won a Rose Bowl. You know, like, okay, that's, that's one like, great that's thing. Not- but I don't know. I, I just he doesn't have the long track record that some of those other guys like Whittingham around him does, and that sort of thing. He didn't take control of that conference. No, um, they at won. All. They won what one one championship, maybe two. Did they win it last year? I thought they lost to Utah one of those. They years, did. They lost of. last year because Utah was in the Rose Bowl, so they finished first in the Pac-12 North last year. Played Utah and lost to Utah in that Pac-12 championship. So yeah, here you go. At Oregon, he went you know thirty-five and thirteen. So you had the the nine and four season his first year. They finished in rank. They had the really good year in nineteen. That's the twelve and two Rose Bowl year. But then four and three in the shortened twenty twenty year. Uh, and then ten and three last year won the Alamo Bowl, finished barely in the top twenty-five overall as a head football coach. Mario Cristobal is sixty-two and sixty, and I'm sorry, but three years of being good at a program that you should be good at in the worst of the Power Five conferences does not make you a top twenty-five coach in college football. Sorry. There you go. Have fun though, Miami. I'm sure this will be the one. <laughs> the U, the well, U. Well, Ryan, he's from Miami, so he knows the area. Obviously, this <laughs> so did the, so did Randy Shannon, and so did <laughs> half the guys they've hired. <laughs> this story uh, from Bill Bender again, who joined us a little bit earlier. Mike Gundy at twelve, Mario Cristobal at eleven. He does point out Mike Gundy has had sixteen straight winning seasons, sixteen straight winning seasons in a row, and points out that Mario Cristobal over the last four years, twenty six and eight. A 765 winning percentage, ninth best among FBS coaches in that stretch. This got good. This is good. Brooks, I, do you have anything? Uh, well, I was just going to try to pull up because, you know, you brought up what his uh, Cristobal's record's been. I like Mario Cristobal. I, I do think he's a top 20 coach at least. But I wanted to look at his his past schedules. The last what did you say? The last four years. Yeah, he he's had four full seasons in air quotes because nothing about twenty twenty was full, but four full years technically as Oregon head coach. I wanted to see who he uh, who he's lost to. So what was his first full year there? Twenty eighteen, he he dropped to Stanford, Washington State, Arizona, Utah, and then won the whatever bowl game they were in. I was. Just, um, I don't think they've lost many non-conference games. Yeah, I, 20, by this I've got 
it looks like they only lost three non-con games, and and uh, at least one of them was in a bowl game. Yeah, so, or two of them maybe. Lost that Auburn team in twenty nineteen. Lost to Arizona State. It was. It's just the fact that they're they. He's had good teams there at Oregon, but you lose a game that you're not supposed to lose, like middle midway through or late in conference play. That it's like you've got to win those games. It's right. just that, and that conference is not is not no. great, and and that's my whole point about it. It's like okay, if you want to be particular, someone would be like, oh, okay, well, Pac twelve was was better than the ACC last year. Okay, fine, but the other years it wasn't, and that league's most important program is Southern Cal, and Southern Cal has not been good while Cristobal was at Oregon, or really just in the last decade for the most part. Period. And so that conference has struggled. I mean, there was a time Mike Leach's Washington State team was as good as any for a couple of years there. Chris Pearson walked in there at Washington and instantly won and had just as much success, if not more, than Chris Ball did. And in fact, more success than Chris Ball did. Went to a playoff, even. Uh, had the right to lose to Alabama by a lot of points. <laughs> um, and, and so, again, my issue with Chris Ball is you're forgiving an entire tenure at a school because he did what really anybody would do at Oregon under the circumstances and parameters of what the the conference is going through right now. You know, and, and so again, I, I guess, you know, Bender said he took some recency bias into it, but and that has to be it. So yeah, the thirty five and thirteen in Oregon is solid, but he didn't elevate anything no. at Oregon. Oregon expects to do that at the very minimum. And again, they might rue the fact, I mean, I guess he's gone now, so we'll never know, but he probably would have rued the fact that he only won one championship in four years there because, again, the marquee program in that conference is about to revitalize, or so we think, under Lincoln Riley. And so now, all of a sudden, Oregon won't be the favorite like they were every single year in the conference while Cristobal was there. I think Mike Gundy is Dan Mullen if Dan Mullen stayed at Mississippi State for his entire career. That's my take. He's going to have 10 win seasons. He's going to have good teams. And I've been sitting You're here thinking You're starting to get somewhere. Yeah. I like context. Yeah. I'll yeah. let you. Where yes. He's, he's going to have what... good teams. If he, He's never going to win a national championship there. And if he tries to go to a big-time program where he has the resources to win a national championship, he's going to fall flat on his face. Well, y'all, y'all have been having a great discussion about Mario Cristobal, and you've, you've changed my mind because I think – I think Mario Cristobal is a pretty good coach, but y'all are y'all are saying excellent things, and I can be swayed. But that's just I, I finally was able to put words behind my thoughts, and uh, that's what it is. I think Mike Mike but Gundy and Dan the, Mullen are in the similar vein. I mean, uh, and this this could speak to the the strength of the SEC, but Mike Gundy has consistently had the second or third best program behind Oklahoma in that conference, yeah, ra- I agree. rather than Dan Mullen has had the fifth or sixth best program in the SEC when he was at uh, yeah, both yeah. Florida. And at uh, at Mississippi State, you said it yourself. Though the but Big Twelve is not the SEC. True, but ten top twenty-five finishes in yeah. fifteen years is not nothing. It's not not, not nothing. And no. like I don't think I don't think there's possibility of finding twenty-five resumes better than that. I don't know. I'm going to do some. I don't know. Research. It just it it depends on how much you value the Big Twelve and Oklahoma State as a program. I think. What research are you trying to do here, I was Brooks? trying to bring up um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm just going to take the first nine seasons of Mike Gundy. I hope and, you do. And I'm going to take the nine years he was at Mississippi State. Oh, yeah, Mike Gundy. I'm going to take the first nine years of, of uh, Dan Mullen's career at Mississippi State. 
I'm going to take the first nine years of Mike Gundy. One, two, three. So 69 and 46 was Mississippi State during the all nine years of um, uh, Dan Mullen. Three years they finished in the top 25. The... The uh, first nine years of Oklahoma State finished in the top 25 one, two, three, four times. Brant may have a point, but they only got tr- double-digit wins once during those nine years for uh, Dan Mullen. You had a 10-win season, a 12-win season, an 11-win season. You had three different times you finished with top 20 or top with double-digit wins for Mike Gundy in the Big 12. So... I can see where you're coming from, Brant, but I I'm still going to disagree because you you know Dan Mullen if you know 69 and 46 at Mississippi State is not the same because of the conference, but the fact that Mike Gundy consistently was able to is able to win or not win his conference but finish second in his conference. And continues to have top twenty-five seasons, and Dan Mullen's out of a job. Um, well, I, Dan Mullen could be somewhere doing something if he wanted to be. I, I think he's wait. He's doing. He's an assistant coach with a high school program right now, right? Isn't that where Dan Mullen is? Sure. I think forgot he's to like, catch up I, on my Dan Mullen news. Yeah, I think I think he is like at a at a school in Florida, just being like a part-time coach. Awesome. Which good for him. He's yeah. got millions of dollars. You got to find a way to, to ignite the fire. I yeah. like that. Give him back and the youth. It's great. Mike Gundy hired Derek Mason to be his defensive coordinator going he into did. the season. He did. You have anything else, Ryan? No, I mean, I, I feel pretty confident about that. I mean, he's been um, been very loyal to Oklahoma State yeah. for a long time, and there's been other opportunities where he's thought about leaving, kind of like Kyle Whittingham uh, and Utah at, at times. That's a good point. But, again, I, I think longevity matters, and, you know, this program has been – the very consistent and interestingly enough you were going through the list you know one of the guys right behind him Kirk Ferentz is kind of similar at Iowa it's like they've never they've never won a championship but they've had one or two teams that were knocking on the door and then the rest of the time they're just good consistent eight nine win seasons um but it's like the other guys behind them like if you're like you know I said I wouldn't take Chris Ball in the top 25 right and so for me to say that, I need to tell you the coaches that would be above him. And I just watched you scroll through there. Yeah. Um, and it's like I would take Whittingham. Um, you want me to keep scrolling? Or yeah, go back down the go back down the uh, fourteen or thirteen, wherever it was that he, he was. Uh, so, so he's at eleven. Ball right so ahead of him at, and Whittingham. So right he's ahead at of eleven. Him. So it's like I would take Gundy over Cristobal, I'd take Ferrance over Cristobal, I'd take uh, I'd take Stoops over Cristobal. I'd take I'd sure as hell take Mac Brown over Cristobal. Um Kiffin would be more debatable. I'd have to think through that one more. Kiffin's really hot right now, but he's also got a troubled past as well. So I don't know as as much about Kiffin. I'd absolutely take James Franklin over Mario Cristobal. Um Paul Christ of Wisconsin, I think you'd have to take over again, it's more years of success with two different programs now. Uh, Dave Aranda would be tough just because that's kind of so much recency bias. Only one or two great years is a hell of a turnaround. Wouldn't be as convinced about Aranda. Um, and you keep going. Campbell is pretty 
competitive. Matt Campbell at Iowa yeah, State. pretty competitive with, with Cristobal. So we're running out of steam around 20 here. So I guess I should amend it to – and then you have P.J. Flag at 21. Probably would take Cristobal. So 2021 is somewhere where Cristobal should be. So I should apologize. He wouldn't fall out of the top 25. He'd be around 20 or 21. Um, but so that's the ultimate thing here is like just being able to actually – line up these guys and say and i and we do this with callers all the time and i really get annoyed with callers when when we start doing this I'm just just admitting admitted here is that someone will say someone's like 10 and 2 is not good or you know there's only like three good teams well there's a part of it that's relative to the rest of the league and to the rest of the of the college football world I get that your 1984 whatever would beat the number five team in the country this year, but if you're 11 and one or you're 10 and two and you're top five, top ten in the nation, you're good. Period. Yeah. You might not agree with their style of play, or you might think they have a, a particular unit that their team is not very good. But the reality is, if you're a top 10 team in the country, you're a good football team. We're not calling you great. We're not calling you a legendary. But so often I hear so many times, well, well, you know, Ole Miss with Corral isn't that good or, you know, so-and-so isn't that good. Yes, they are. Just, just because it's a different name or a different coach than you're accustomed to doesn't mean that they're not good on I, that particular team. And so, again, it's like, when we're when we're doing all these big rankings, it's like you might think that that person is not what you imagined in your tenth best coach, or not what you imagine your tenth best program all time, or whatever list of the day that we're doing. But if they're better than everybody else, someone has to be number ten, someone has to be number fifteen, someone has to be twenty five, and so I, I guess I always want to make sure. Because I just corrected myself. I was wrong to say he's out of the top 25. He's more like 20th. I want to make sure we're always saying, well, if, if if this person isn't, who is? If this team is not, which team is? Because ultimately someone has to be ranked somewhere. I think it's become, to your point, Ryan, I think it's become this hyperfixation on if you don't win a national championship, your season is a failure. I think that's just what college football has become, yep. for better or worse. And. I think at the end of the day, it should be your end goal. But I think, like you said, if you go 10-2, and two, you've had a hell of a season. You, you are a really good team if you only lose two games in a 12-game season, especially for teams playing in the SEC or any of the Power 5 conferences, really. Uh, it's just, I'm at, I, I've said it before on this show, Nick Saban has broken our brains yep. in that if, if you don't win a national championship, you are not good enough because <laughs> that's, that's the expectation that Saban has gotten at Alabama, and credit to him, I think he's the best to ever do it. Um, it, with with that mindset, though, you are setting yourself up for disappointment, and you are setting yourself up for a rotating door at head coach. Uh, so, like Ryan said, if you are a top fifteen, top ten program consistently, you're in a pretty good spot. Can I make an argument for uh, PJ Fleck over Mario Cristobal to Ryan? Go, Go for it. it. I don't. I don't <laughs> have <laughs> stake in so Mario last Cristobal. Thing and then we'll take a break. <laughs> so Mario Cristobal has been a head coach for eleven years, right? P.J. Fleck has been head coach for nine years, two okay. less. 
Mario Cristobal's overall record going from a group of five school right. and a power five school coaching at both, 62 and 60 in 11 okay. years. P.J. Fleck going from a group of five school at Western Michigan to Minnesota. He hasn't had the best time at Minnesota, right. but still he's got one 11 win season. He's got a seven win season and a nine win season in there. Mm-hmm. 65 and 45. Look, I, that's why I said I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. And when he was at that group of five school only had one losing season. The other three, mm-hmm. eight win, eight win, 13 win. Because so that is going to get into beauty in the high of the beholder there because do you value someone doing at a big program what they should, or do you value someone being at a middle of the road program going above what they should? That, that's kind of that's kind of how I've always looked at the value in people like Mullen. That I hate he's coming up so much this year and <laughs> etc. But it's like a guy who's not coaching college I, football. We talk about him a lot. <laughs> I I value how difficult certain jobs are. Like Auburn has an incredibly difficult job but that doesn't mean there's not 10 20 other jobs that for various reasons due to either resources competition or location aren't incredibly difficult and in the and look minnesota has had a few years here and there throughout their history where that's cool and all and and they're good but in in the annals of college football they're way down the pecking order in the big 10 i mean they're not above ohio state michigan um, Penn State. In my uh, heart, they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pr- probably a couple others. And, and, and so, Wisconsin. And so it's like you're expected to go six and six at Minnesota. So when you do above that, you're doing a job that other people could not do. And that's how I viewed Mullen at Mississippi State for a long time. It's like Mississippi State is the 11th or 12th best SEC program. They, they thank God every day that Vanderbilt exists. So to do something <laughs> better than that and to have a team where you got to number one in the entire country briefly, it's like I value that because I see the difficulty – in that and so when I see Cristobal win nine or ten games at Oregon, I say that's great. But you have all the resources, you have the history of being the number two program for the last two decades in that conference. You should be going nine and three and ten and two. That you're not going above par for the course. So I guess I'm saying I think I would put PJ Fleck above of him after your argument because PJ Fleck is going well above par for the course, whereas Cristobal had a terrible FIU tenure, and then he just did par for the course for what Oregon's been the last 20 or 25 years. As you just said, Brooks, about P.J. Fleck, three more wins than Mario Cristobal in two less seasons. P.J. Fleck also at 41 years old. As Bill Bender points out, he is the second youngest coach in his top 25. Lincoln Riley at 38, the youngest coach. And Gosh, that guy's young. And he's really good. My, oh, my. Uh, we've got to take a break. When we come back, we start to wrap up the show, wrap up the week here on Sports Call. Tiger 95.9 FM. May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen. Can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Brian Harson, head football coach of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Back on Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson inside the studio on this Friday with Brooks Childress, Brant Daughtry, and Ryan Lavoie. Uh, we're so excited that uh, we've got the weekend ahead. A few minutes left here in the show, and, and what a fun week it was here on Sports Call. It started all the way back on Monday when we had Johnny Harris, the women's basketball head coach for the Auburn Tigers, here on our program. Today, we want to say thank you again to Bill Bander. Gosh, sorry. Bill, yes. Bill Bender. Bender. <laughs> Bill Bender of Sporting News. A little and bit then, of a curveball. Yes, uh, Keith Niebuhr from uh, Auburn Live and On3 Sports joining us on the show here today. Um, incredible. On a on a more serious note here, as uh, we get set to close out the show, and uh, we do this every year annually. It's one of my favorite things to do. We did this a little bit ago back for Mother's Day. It is Father's Day this weekend, and uh, we're going to close out the show. Let's give some shout-outs to our dads uh, to close out the program. And, Brent, I'll let you go first, my friend. All right. Uh, Bob, my father. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, great guy. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard your dad's first name. Yeah, Robert, uh, if you want to get technical. <laughs> but yeah, Bob, Bob Daughtry, uh, back in in uh, Perry, Georgia. Uh, he's really a great guy. He's been there for me my whole life. He's been, uh, uh, you know, he's taught me a lot. He's, uh, I, you know, I'm never good at these things, uh, coming up with them on the fly especially. But, uh, you know, he's, he's taught me just about everything I know uh, it, with a lot of things, football included. I, I, I wouldn't. Well, the the reason that I fell in love with the sport of football and sports in general is because my my dad was a coach for for a lot of sports when I was growing up, and you know I, I traveled to so many games, and he he and my mom took me to my first Auburn game when I was like three months old. Yeah. So you know I, I've been coming to Auburn my entire life, and that's the reason that I love Auburn. Uh, and it's it's because of my parents; they raised me that way. And uh, you know I. I where I am in life, I, I owe in a very large part to my dad. It's beautiful. And I love this. I love these things. Some people aren't as sentimental as I could be. It's my favorite thing in the whole wide world to do. And this I'm is where terrible. I, I terrible throw out being a, a Jackson Brown quote, an H. Jackson Brown quote, quote, life doesn't come with an instruction book. That's why we have fathers, end quote. And so many of us, that's why we love sports. Like you said, Brant, the way that we do. So shout out Bob Daughtry. Happy Bob. Father's Day to Bob. Ryan Lavoy. Well, Gregory Scott Lavoy, my father. Great uh, man. That's why I have the middle name that I have uh, given to me by my parents. Um, you know, dads always uh, have such an impact on uh, their children from a sports perspective, typically. You know, and uh, I can think of so many times as a kid playing every sport you can think of with my dad, whether it was to try and get me better to play on the elementary school team or, or whatever, or if it was just messing around at the beach playing tennis knowing none of us can hit the ball more than 50 miles per hour and you need <laughs> double that to play professional tennis. Uh, playing tennis with him, playing golf with him, playing uh, throwing pitches to him at 70 miles per hour, hurting his hand, uh, playing football, playing basketball. Uh, everything it feels like you can play, I feel like I did with my father. And uh, he he and my mom were just down here this past week helping me, and they just continue to be rock stars for me and, and, and love me unconditionally and, and help me in all areas of life. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful for them. And if I do get the chance to be a father one day, I will know how to be a father because of my dad. So 
Uh, I'm very blessed to to have him and my mom in my life, but obviously with with Father's Day, um, just very grateful for my dad and and his willingness to always do whatever he could for me, play whatever he could with me, and uh, talk to me about whatever I needed to talk about. So I'm forever forever grateful for that. Happy Father's Day, Greg Lavoy. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Love it. That's awesome, Mr. Brooks Childress. Yo. Who are we shouting out here? Uh, well, I thought I'd shout out, you know, my mom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking, so last night, I was, I don't know why I started thinking about this. I was... Because uh, you know me? Mm, no, this, okay. I mean, this was different. Okay. Um, so I was thinking about it because I don't know if anybody, uh, people know this, the master's tickets uh, for the master's, you opened registration a couple weeks ago, apply to it. You can only apply to two on the uh two per day um for the the actual rounds you can get up to four for the practice rounds and so i started thinking last night i'm like there's no way i'm going to win these but just because of who i am as a person i started thinking about what if i won tickets to the saturday round and it's only two who was who am i going to take obviously you start thinking about you know i've I've got a fiance so i'm like maybe i should take her maybe but then the second name that popped in my head was my dad and i'm like dad does not care about golf He's, he doesn't sit down and watch golf. He doesn't play golf. But I just started thinking about it. I'm like, I would want to take him I, because that's such a thing. I know we joked about it back when the Masters were happening, and I did my whole, like, master spiel. I said fathers and sons, pimentos and cheese. But, like, fathers and sons is is something that you think about when you think about going to the Masters and going to sporting events with your dad. And, you know, we I, I said this last year. My first Auburn football games were with my dad. Uh, my brother my mom were there but it was always you know you think about it your dad got you tickets to the game and everything he taught me everything that I know um dad I'm sorry I have not rotated my tires yet I'm gonna get to (laughs) it lord have not gotten the AC fixed we're gonna get to it um there's a lot of things that uh he he taught me and I, I I absolutely appreciate everything he's done um for me in my life but you know i was just i don't know why i was thinking about it last night but i was like if i got that's master's awesome. tickets that's how much you know you think about how much you you love someone and in the terms of hey i got tickets to one of the most exclusive events who am i taking the one of the top names is your dad and so i was thinking about that last night I'm like he doesn't care anything about golf but i'm inviting him maybe first on the list of who's, who's going to go to the masters with me that's beautiful Happy Father's Day, Happy Dusty Father's Childress. Day. I'm going to get the tires rotated, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's coming. <laughs> and shouting your mom out at the start. I mean, you said uh, who always, we were going to shout know, out. Always, always wanted to break the ice. Uh, shout out, Rob, Robert break Linda Jackson. Uh, Doc. Doc. Um, my old man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that uh, we are the sports fans that we are because of our pops. It's the man that you want to idolize the most growing up and – uh, I think Ryan kind of touched on this. If I ever have the joy of being a father, one, that's going to be the greatest title I could ever get in life, not knowing what a in the world to even do. But I've got the man to kind of follow and replicate what he was able to do in my life. And when I had the health uh, struggles and concerns that I did to see a man walk away from a job that is very demanding and very important to be there with me every step of the way and to give me a phone call and to be a man that I could talk Uh, on the phone with for literally hours and never run out of things to talk about to know that I'm 12 days away from getting to see him in person once again it's just incredibly exciting love you dad and and thanks for listening to every single thing 
that I say when before I came to Auburn University. Breaking news, people. My family didn't really care about Auburn before I came to Auburn <laughs> from the state of North Carolina. And now they do. They really have a genuine interest and investment and care in, in what's going on because they know this is something that I get to do to talk about Auburn athletics each and every day. So uh, shout out to Pops. Happy Father's Day to everyone out there. On this show, it's no secret right now. We've got a very male-dominated caller base. Uh, we would love to hear from more females, but just facts. We've got more males that call into this program. A lot of those guys are fathers themselves or idolize their fathers and are in the position that they are as sports fans because of their old man. So happy Father's Day, everybody. We hope that you enjoy the weekend, and uh, that's going to bring our show to a close today. Our nightly TV guide can be found online, brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Can I do one pick? Yes. Because it's the, it's the, the Greg Lavoy pick of the evening. <laughs> Tonight at 6.30 ESPN2, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Ottawa Red Black CFL yeah. action. I need to ask him if he watched last night's game. I bet you he watched a little bit of it before the uh, Warriors game. Heck yeah. I love it. That's our nightly TV guide, brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. I love you guys. We love you. Love you, brother. We'll uh, we'll see you on the on Monday. Okay, everybody, have a great weekend. Sports Absolutely. call will be back on the air then. Thanks again to Keith Niebuhr and Bill Bender for stopping by. For Ryan Lavoy, Brandon Daughtry, and Brooks Childress, my name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.